podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Well, hello everybody and welcome to the 355th edition of the Boxing Asylum Nutters podcast. I'm your host Steve Wellings and joining me on the call we have... Gabe Lewis, Ozzy Smith and Andy Patterson, good to have you with us as always, everybody in the chat, a nice vibrant chat getting started already, we are here every Sunday live on Mixler, Mondays on YouTube, SoundCloud and iTunes, hope you all had a happy new year, Merry Christmas, all those bits and pieces, we are here back again in 2020, looking ahead to the next boxing year with 2020 vision, just going to ease ourselves in tonight. Nothing too strenuous on the guys, nothing to destroy the brain cells. So if there's anything we've missed, anything we forget about, then just forget about it yourself. Life's too short. We're going over the stuff on the weekend, first of all, before filling in the gaps with the stuff from over Christmas, asking any questions, value of the weeks, and a few brief glances back to 2019, the highs, the lows, and so on. Let's start off, though, Andy, in Atlantic City. The fists were flying both in and out of the ring. Nice little brawl. You tweeted out earlier something I was thinking. If that was back at home, they probably would have cut that out. But ESPN were all over it. Like the good old days of Bo versus Galotta <laughs> getting in there, showing it in the crowd. You could see the demographics. You know, it wasn't a secret. You had all the guys, the heart supporters, uh, fighting with all the Joe Smith supporters. Punches flying uh, off the back. This was before the decision had even been made, I think. Jesse Hart somehow losing a split decision. Not sure how they come to that conclusion. Joe Smith Jr., 97-92, 98-91, seemed fair enough to me. I don't like the fact we're having to talk about the judges yet again, but what yeah. the hell James Kinney was doing, seeing a 95-94, putting in a hometown score like that. His man, Jesse Hart, he was obviously throwing in a homer for him. He ran from about the third round. He was gassed. He was getting beaten up. He got dropped. And towards the end, Joe Smith looked like he was about to force the stoppage. Can we have any justification for Mr Kinney's scorecard? I don't think so. Um, I thought Joe Smith was totally dominant. Um, as I say, as I think fans and Boxing writers alike need to be keeping an eye on this name coming up in the future because I did ask the question, you know, has he been involved in any contentious decisions in the past? It seems like he's not really been involved in the big fights. This was maybe, um, I don't know, getting a step up the ladder, I suppose, as part of the commission. I have no idea, but, you know, I think the other two scorecards are more accurate reflections to how the fight went. Joe Smith, in my opinion, was absolutely dominant, including the knockdown and stuff like that. He pissed it out of the park at at best, or sorry, at worst, they maybe lost two rounds. Um, as I say, as he just marched forward. You know, there was fight. There was times in that fight that Jesse Hart didn't even throw any punches. I watched a Muay Thai fight on Friday night, and the guy was getting his arse kicked right to the point that he couldn't throw any punches because he was thinking more about his defence. And the referees telling him to fucking throw punches. Right, that's what should have happened with uh, with Jesse Hart as well. Okay, it showed Hart in there, you know, taking taking the bite of beating and stuff, but. To fight off the back foot, you need to be doing something, you know, and he'd never done it. He never held or tried to work on the inside and stuff, and just Smith just used everything. And I think as well as, I think that was his first fight up at light heavyweight for, for Jesse Hart as well, so obviously Smith looks like he's a, he's definitely the thicker, stronger guy at the weight. And, um, you know, they're not talking about Smith fighting Yard. I, I really like that fight, actually. I think it'll be a really interesting fight, but uh, there's no justification for James Kinney's scorecard, so we need to be keeping an eye out for this guy in the future, because he has got the absolute potential to fucking ruin either a young person's prospect career or a big payday for a for a contender or something like that. There is no way you can score that that fight to Jesse Hart unless you're an absolute homer. Or I mean, Stevie Wonder wouldn't have scored that fight to Jesse Hart there last night. And that was with somebody actually explained the fight to him as well at the same time. There's just no chance. So uh, Joe, Joe Smith should have been a UD decision. Um, and it's looking like he's now going to be fighting Anthony Yard as a as a mandatory contender. So um 
yeah, I really like that fight, actually. I'm really uh, looking forward to that one. Yeah, Joe Smith using all of his strength, his experience, his punching power to push Jesse Hart back. Ozzy, why is Jesse Hart getting so many opportunities? He clearly sells a few tickets. They've put him in his hometown before. He's had those couple of close enough fights with Gilberto Ramirez, who's no great shakes himself. Is it because there's too much TV? ESPN, top rank, need to fill dates. So guys like Jesse Hart are getting opportunities. Is it because his uncle is the famous Eugene Cyclone Hart? Why is his mediocrity being consistently rewarded, Ozzy? I think you've answered your own questions there, that the fact that he sells to kittens a hell of a lot of dates that need filling for TV purposes. Um, his name carries somewhat, you know, in terms of he's not an, a horrendous opponent, in terms of he lost a close decision against uh, Ramirez, uh, got a good win over Sullivan Barrera. Um, obviously, f- you forget he's boxed Ramirez twice now. Um so there's, from that perspective, don't really think his uncle comes into it. Um, it's going to be interesting to see where they go with him next. Because, I mean, like like we say, if you, if you were just scrolling through uh, the results last night, you would see a split decision and think, oh, right, um, that's close. So I wonder what happened there. But in reality, J- James Kinney's a disgrace, an absolute disgrace. And, again... We're starting off the new year talking about controversial judges, and fortunately, this uh, Kinney's card did not dictate the way the fight went. It would have been a great shame, you know, if it if it was a decider or something like that. But um, thank God, uh, the other two judges scored it fairly and correctly. Thought Joe Smith Jr. was good, uh, bullied, um, bullied hard at times used all of his strength um, tough tough man Smith Jr as well um, just kept b- banging away landing shots didn't really have the respect for Hart in my opinion um, was you know was never like deterred or anything like that uh, as you said Steve hard working and it, and it was a, an excellent win well earned fully deserved um, he's now got an opportunity from, from what we've uh, been told that He's going to contest a vacant light heavyweight world title against Anthony Ard, which for me would go into the fight as a favourite um, and, and a well-deserved favourite as well. So for Joel Smith Jr., he did cop a bad card. Fortunately, it didn't um, affect him. As for Jesse Hart, he needs to go back to the drawing board because I think he's lost two of his last three fights now. Uh, there's only so far selling tickets uh, will do for you, um, particularly when you're going to be headlining... Um, and taking part in big cards on TV. Yeah, Joe Smith Jr. has really long arms. That's one of the greatest takeaways that I could see from this fight. Absolutely massive arms. You wouldn't want them hitting you. Uh, Jesse Hart regretted moving up to 175 as soon as the first punch landed, says High Guard Plodder. Absolutely right. Lee the Alcoholic Frotch as well. Uh, says that Callum Johnson against Joe Smith would be a good tear-up, I agree. They'd stand right in front of each other and go for it. And also, Gabe, uh, Joe Smith would be a good match-up for Anthony Yard, says Lee the Alcoholic Frot. So he's giving a thumbs-up to Joe Smith, who won a, a fringe belt. Let me just check here. It's very important, this. The, the WBO, uh, NABO light heavyweight title. Big fans of that here. I'm sure you are as well, Gabe. That's <laughs> now around Joe Smith Jr.'s waist. <laughs> he's going to fight for the proper title against Anthony Yard, possibly. Would you enjoy that? I mean, I, I kind of like Joe Smith, so I'd watch him with whatever he was doing. Um, I mean, it just to be a pretty bad, pretty bad all around uh, match for me to not watch it. Um, 
I think the the thing that draws me to him is is he's just kind of the average guy, you know. He uh, uh, is not one of those pricks that goes on there uh, acting like Jesse Hart does and and trying to act like he's some great shakes whenever he's went life and death with fucking Zerto fucking Ramirez. You know, I mean, that guy's got the most pointless career out of anybody going to maybe aside from Kel Brook. Um, and, and he went life and death with them and, and lost both of them. I think it was a loss both times. Maybe a draw. I don't remember because it was so fucking boring. But, um, I mean, I don't know. I, I, I just, I, I like Joe Smith, so I think it's a good matchup. Uh, Yard is is in that place that's going to be a good um, a good name for him, a, a good appearance opponent, uh, all those things that that you would want to uh, ideally see in a matchup that you're making between two guys who are uh, looking to get into title contention, so uh, or or title. Uh, Title fights right away, so I mean, I don't see why it would be a bad fight at all. I, be honestly, I, I would watch it, um, even though I'm not a big fan of of Yard. Uh, you know, I, I don't see anything wrong with the matchup. Gabe's endorsing it. That's good enough for me. Look, looking over the undercard, I didn't see anything in the undercard. Stephen Nelson undefeated, defeat uh, beat Kem Kilich. 14-0, took his unbeaten record, 8th round knockout. Uh, draw between Joseph Adorno and Hector Garcia. A few people are keeping an eye on Adorno. He was a lightweight, 14-0, but the fact he's drawing with Garcia, who already had seven losses on his record, doesn't bode well for the future. So we might have to write off Mr. Adorno into the scrap heap. Andy, no scrap heap for you. Uh, let's get over straight I, away I to Texas. Can... Yo. I think, I think uh, Adorno is one of those guys that, uh, is is uh, from what I've seen. I, I, granted, I didn't see last night's performance uh, except from some highlights they showed during the uh, post fight business. Um, but he's like, from everything that I've seen and 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 the general selling point that they put on the kid, he's a big power puncher. So I wonder if last night he ran into a guy that's also able to take the punches and and could give them back in return. But I did see uh, some people talking about that they felt like it should have went against Adorno as opposed to the uh, draw that they saw. But I, I'm kind of interested in him. I haven't seen, like I said last night, and I haven't seen all of his fights. I've got a few of them. Uh, but, but he seems like a pretty big puncher. So I kind of wonder if that's a little bit of it. I just thought I'd throw it in. No, no problem, Gabe. Styles make fights. Let's not write him off after this draw just yet. They will hopefully give him more opportunities to recover uh, yeah so we're not going to do a full recap of 2019 go like we usually do going through knockouts highlights all this type of stuff but i will be raising points later on and give the guys the opportunity and also you fellas in the chat the opportunity to mention things from 2019 i have a few bullet points a few points of interest so we will have that chance later on also i'm going to invite the guys to have a think about their personal l of the year we all like taking a loss on here god knows i've made enough bad predictions to last a lifetime but i'm going to ask you for your personal L of the year later on. So think about something that you fucked up on in 2019. Maybe it was a prediction, uh, someone you would get, thought would go far, um, a, a fight prediction or whatever, you know, personal L of the year later on. So have a good think about that. You guys in the chat as well, we have to hold you accountable here. Episode 355, no um, word on rapping Rob Kelly yet. Hopefully he'll come on at some point in the evening. He usually rears his head, Andy. Let's get over to Texas then. Not quite on Clarissa Shields just yet, although I did watch that. On a resurrected Box Nation, we'll get onto that shortly. First of all, 
Gary Spike O'Sullivan going in against <laughs> Jaime Mungia. Uh, didn't see the fight. Hard to get hold of. You graciously put up some highlights earlier on on YouTube, about seven minutes of it. Watched it before we came on. A microcosm of the fight, I take it. Jaime Mungia. Yeah. He is a bit like an excited puppy, and he will get outboxed by the greater uh, calibre of fighter when he moves up, I think. But he looked nicely filled out at middleweight, and Spike was a reasonable enough name. He'd only lost to decent fighters in the past, the likes of Eubanks. Yeah, um, Saunders beat him, didn't he? David Lemieux knocked him out as well. It was starting to get ugly towards the end, from what I saw. Taking a hell of a lot of shots, a low blow as well in the sixth round. Mungia got a point deducted for that. The corner were right to throw the tail in, weren't they? Because Spike was just taking yeah. too many headshots. Yeah, no many... Uh... I can't get a copy of the full fight at all, actually. I check YouTube in the usual places, it's, it's not there, so I've got the highlights. And if it is how it's been cut up to look, then it was basically it was a, a beatdown, you know. And the load blows, there were two of them. I, th- I think, um, looking at the slow motion, I think it kind of more kind of landed around about his thighs. I don't know if it shifted his cup, but maybe just kind of ruffled his bollocks a wee bit, or he's trying to buy time. Um, he had a wee moment in the late, I think it was like very late in the third or the fourth night, he caught one game, he was up against the ropes and, or Spike was up against the ropes and he, he clipped him with a right hand and it kind of wobbled uh, Mungia a little bit, but based off the highlights that, he got absolutely trimmed, trimmed down and um, yeah, I mean, it, I think is going to be in those exciting fights and stuff, but I think, as you say, mate, once he goes up the levels and stuff, um He's, he's going to come a bad beating. And you know, there's, there's one guy kicking about on Twitter and stuff like that saying he's asked the question, can, we, can, we, can he oh, please stop, stop uh, going on that, you know, Mungia is some sort of elite talent. I mean, there is nobody, I mean, nobody that I can think of anywhere. And I listen to podcasts, you listen to podcasts, Steve, you know, some guys are on Twitter and that. I have never seen anybody say or make an opinion that Jaime Mungia is an elite champion. I mean, for Christ's sake, this was the guy who was blocked to fight Golovkin because he was that green. Nobody believed he was fucking based off what was it five title defenses they managed to ring at him. Mm. There was the late middleweight and he was dying at the weight and stuff like that. And they did it like less than two years. Nobody said that he was an elite talent. So let's just fucking put that shite to bed as well. But I think it will, will be exciting at, um, at a certain level. And if they want to push him on, I don't know if he's with Oscar and stuff like that. But I, I watched the David Lemieux fight, his last fight on the that Pascal Jack undercard and. Um, Lemieux, he, he's there for the taking as well. He doesn't belong at 168. He's kind of caught between the weights and that as well. So, uh, so I don't know if he can maybe try and get that fight made. If, if the money was right and Lemieux can get done at uh, middleweight, um, it might be a good test for him. But at this point, um, I can't think anybody going forward at the minute, but uh, Spike's done for me. He needs to retire now, actually. Um, or fight doing it, I don't know, domestic, European level, stuff like that. Because he's just purely going to be at this point, just get a... Journeyman status, he's just going to get a phone call to turn up and maybe pad some of these records, some up-and-coming young young talent or whatever and that, because, um, yeah, that's it really for him. Yeah, Lemieux, I saw his fight with Bursak over Christmas and he looked like it was a life and death. He looks like he's done. He needs to slim down to middleweight maybe for one more opportunity. They could feed him to Mungia. Ozzy, as for Spike O'Sullivan, it's difficult for me because obviously I know him, I haven't spoken to him for many years, but I used to know him on a personal level, watched his rise pretty much from debut, and he's a nice guy and he's done really well for himself, I never expect him to get anywhere near world level, but he has a bit of the gift of the gab, a bit of a punch about him, but he's been knocked out three times out of his four losses, he just takes too many shots, he's too tough for his own good, and he did buzz Mungir at the end of the third, I think it was, or the end of the fourth, and the... They keep him in maybe for too long, thinking he's got that puncher's chance. But he's, he's in danger, as Andy says, Ozzy, of sliding now from contender status into gatekeeper status. And they might start feeding him to people, so they need to keep an eye on Spike. 
I wouldn't say he's ever been a contender, to be honest. I look at those 30 wins and what would you say that are relatively decent? Douglas, uh, Matthew Hall. Um, I, I, I don't rate the Fitzger- Anthony Fitzgerald win, which kind of, I think, helped his career because it, it was live on Sky. Um, but, but no, it, it was quite a difficult watch. As we say, we've only seen the highlight package, but the way it was put together, he just took so many shots repeatedly. It was like uh, basically taking, it was like the Dave Allen former defence, just eating shots with his head and no real defensive mechanisms. It was, the, I think it was the end of the fourth where he landed a big right hand. And I felt Mungia was buzzed at that point. Uh, obviously, the bell had gone and he had a chance to recover in the ring. Uh, but, but in reality, that, that was the only meaningful shot he landed throughout the fight. Uh, he took a couple of low blows, which were low. Um, I thought it was a good bit of refereeing from where he took the point off immediately. I'm not a believer of, you know, you should get a warning. It, it was an it was an extremely low uh, shot and it, co- it caused, you know, O'Sullivan a problem. So it's not just a case of, of warning, take the point off. He did that. Um, but in reality, I, I felt he was massively out of his depth in from Mungia, who's somewhat limited himself. Um I mean, he's built this record up, which is great. Um, as Andy said, he, w- he was being eyed up. I think the W... Was he not rejected to fight um, Golovkin, by the way, Andy? Yeah. yeah. He yeah. was by Las Vegas, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, however, I mean, look, he, he, was, he was massive at 154, some, albeit dead towards the end of it. He's come up to middleweight. Um, he, he's had a, a feeling in fight. I thought he looked good at the weight. Thought he boxed better as well. Uh, whether that was the limited, you know, like ability of O'Sullivan, which allowed that, but I thought he displayed an excellent jab and peppered O'Sullivan with it throughout the fight. And it's going to be interesting to see where he goes next. They were calling out all the bit, all the champions. Um, apparently, he's a mandatory for Demetrius Andrade. Not too sure what. Um, what the situation is there because apparently Liam Williams fought a, uh, a final eliminator as well just prior to Christmas. Uh, so it's going to be interesting to see. Um, I, I don't see him fighting any of the 160 champions in his next fight. Uh, I don't think it would be a bad thing for Mungia to have you know another fight um, in terms of increasing the levels at 160. Um, certainly don't think that would do him any harm whatsoever. Um, as for Gary O'Sullivan, I think he seriously needs to consider his career now. Um, I, I don't think he's the. I don't think I wouldn't put him at European level to be honest. He can. He has somewhat, you know, he can punch, but that's it really. Um, it's racing, you know, like box people, etc., things like that. So I think he needs to drop down, um, drop down the levels, hover around, you know, like look to perhaps get some domestic fights coming as as an opponent, you know, for potential, you know, like somewhat. Um, not prospects, but you know people who were looking for a bit of a breakout fight. Um, I certainly think he could cause problems domestically and then build himself back up. I think if he continues to operate, uh, for me, a level that he's out of his depth at, he'll only sustain more punishment and it could affect his health in the long term. Yeah, Jaime Mungia currently rated uh, number three by the WBC according to Box Live rankings. Ahead of him is a bit of a murderer's row as far as his levels of experience is concerned. Derevinchenko, Jacobs, Charlo and Canelo. Uh, Jerometa seems to have fallen down the pecking order. Not sure what's happened to him. Destroy him. 
That's what I'm saying. You, you wouldn't fancy him against any of them, Andy, would you? None of them, mate. I mean, it's, it's, it's one of those... It's one of these situations where he's probably have to be manoeuvred carefully into a title fight. I mean... <sighs> I dare say the Andrade fight may get, may get called, and plus it's a, an easier fight to get made, I suppose, with the TV kind of side of the, the matters and stuff like that. I mean, I don't know if Atlantis Fox is, you know, these are still old rankings I'm looking at, because that was uh, Liam Williams destroyed him, and he's yeah. still ranked too, so, you know, these these rankings will still be wrong, but I can't remember, like, maybe, I don't know if he's fought me, or I don't think he has, Michael Zarafa and that, I know he com- he's coming off that, that fight with Jeff Horn and that, so Jeff Horn might be a fight to get made as well. But belts wise, there's just there's just no way he's picking a belt up anytime soon unless it's one of these WBA gold titles, whatever you want to call them these days. There's a couple of fights they could look to them. What about uh, Rob Brandt, uh, Solecki? Yeah. You know, a couple of people like that. Maybe wheel out Hogan again. Uh, oh no, he's fought Hogan, hasn't he? Yeah, but um, Hogan should have beat him though. Should, oh, Hogan should have got the decision. Should have got the decision. Yeah. So. Um, yeah, Hogan could be one to revisit potentially up at 160. Uh, new weight, bit of controversy from the last one. Uh, yeah, you've got Solecki, um, Rob Bram, but then yeah, you're going down the list. Canelo Golovkin, Eubank Jr., who I think they're trying to make a fight with Charlo for. Um, you've got Dervyachenko, Andre, Morata. I mean, Horn and Zarafa at 9 and 10, I would take. Um, you would take Mungia to beat, I would take him to beat those two. Um, Liam Smith, I mean, he's beat Liam Smith already. There's not there's not a lot of real depth to it, to be honest, but then the bigger names at 160, would I would take them all to beat him, to be honest. Yeah, he's because he's with Golden Boy, he's on the zone, the same as Andrade, but even though he's highly ranked with the WBO, obviously Andrade has got the defence against Keeler coming up, then Liam Williams is quite highly ranked as well with the WBO, we're thinking he's going to get pushed in for a shot at Andrade at some point, so Mungia might have to wait a little bit, perhaps a rematch with Hogan, Gabe, something like that they could stick him in with, but as for Andrade, I don't want to go off on any side tangents, but we mentioned Jesse Hart earlier, Andrade is another example of someone whose mediocrity reigns, I mean he's obviously got a lot of potential and a lot of ability, he's 28-0, but he shouldn't be anywhere near headlining. He wouldn't if it, back in the old HBO days. I don't think Andrade, unless he had had a couple a, a better wins on his record, would be anywhere near headlining because he's beaten absolutely nobody. I'm not saying he. Had, some people say, oh, he had a life and death with Jack Kolkai. I don't think he did. I thought he beat Kolkai pretty handily, but he's he's beaten nobody. So him against Mungia would actually probably be a decent name for Andrade and for Mungia. Andrade should have fought Billy Joe Saunders. They should have rescheduled that. But anyway, I'm going down tangents here, Gabe. Sorry, keep us on on point regarding Jaime Mungia. What can we do with him next? What would you do with him? I mean, I feel like uh, if if Hogan wanted to move up and go there, um, I would I would like to see it, but I don't think he beat him twice. Uh, he already beat him once, so I just don't see that happening. Uh, the Andrade fight, I guess it could be pretty good. Um, I don't know what all issues are in the way of anything like that happening. Um, they're both with they're both with the zone. That's right. They could they could make that easy. Uh, I don't think they'll do it though because they don't want either one of those guys taking an L at this point. Uh, I think they'd have to get on both with um, a title before they did that and make it a unification fight or something along those lines. Um, I just don't I, I just don't feel like they'll do that. Uh, I don't guess. I, I think the Charlo brother that's there is. I, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think they're actually able to to fight wherever they want to. I guess their contracts or, or something are 
would allow them to kind of do as they pleased. I'm not sure. Um, I mean, that wouldn't be a bad fight. I don't know. I really don't give a fuck about about that big fat fucker. I mean, he should be fighting at goddamn cruiserweight. So unless he fights a cruiserweight, I really don't give a shit. Talking of cruiserweights, Lee the Alcoholic Foch threw a good one in the chat. He said about Mungia because he's the former WBO champion at 154, there's a chance he'll get the mandatory if he wants it because of that rule. And that's obviously relevant, Ozzy, to use because he moved up to heavyweight, didn't he, and got the yeah, mandatory? Well, it, it was different, though, because he was named as a super champion there, so that gives him the oh. right to move up, and then they call the mandatory. So Terence Crawford did it when he went up to 147 to fight Jeff Horn. He had that luxury of being named super champion, so from where he could immediately step up and and take the fight, as has uh, Usyk. He was named the super champion and then moved up and has called for the mandatory. He basically said to the WBO, we want to be named as mandatory. Straight away, the WBO have done that, and he will fight for the WBO heavyweight title uh, later this year. For Mungia, as far as I'm aware wasn't named the super champion by the WBO. And it's not an extra belt. That's just a... Um, it's a status, you know, from if you make X amount of defences or, you know, you impress or you're the best in the division or something like that. Um, he wasn't, as far as I'm aware, therefore, I don't think has that luxury of moving up to be named as the immediate mandatory. However, I've just been flagged to something that Paco Varkasel uh, put out pre-Christmas congratulating Liam Williams on the win over Atlantis Fox but it wasn't sanctioned as a final eliminator so that's obviously disappointing for Williams so it then wouldn't surprise me if Mungia went up, he's now, you know, he's campaigning at 160 and is slotted in to the number one spot Um, but in terms of that rule I don't think he has that luxury, you know, of calling like a snap mandatory, do you say, like Crawford and Usyk did. Ozzy's on the ball. I'm glad somebody is. These titles, they're just frying my head. I can't even keep up what the organisations are doing with guarding mandatories and voluntaries and all this type of shit. A voluntary contribution from rapping Rob Kelly. Incoming, he's out in the fields, out in the streets. How you doing, Rob? Sounding good? Hopefully Rob's there with us. I know. You right, Rob? Can hear a bit of breathing. He's alive. That's a good start. Fucking thing working. Oh, we just about heard you there, Rob. Yeah. Yeah, can hear you now. Go ahead. Was I not on mute the whole time, though? Yeah, you just unmuted yourself, which is good, because we want did to hear I, what you have to I say. I didn't even know that I did that. I was trying to unmute myself, and I was like, where the fuck is this button? Blah, blah, blah. And then, there you go. I don't You're know getting good at this, Rob. Excellent. You're getting good at this on episode yeah, 355. Almost... You're, starting to, you're starting to smoothly <laughs> get into this into this podcasting log. Well, why don't we just use StreamYard? Just use StreamYard. <laughs> if you use fucking StreamYard, Steve, I'd know, I'd know more about it. It'd be easier to do. Fucking hell. <laughs> Uh, Go on, you boomer. <laughs> We're on Spotify now, by the way, boys. You could be listening yeah, to this on Spotify yeah. in the morning. This is fucking great shit. Yeah, happy new year to dream. everybody and all that. So, get all that out of the way. What's the? It was a bit of a dog shit weekend, wasn't it? And our dog shit two weeks for boxing. Um, Spike came up short. 
mm. kind of would have expected that. Um, a tough, tough operator spike. Definitely take a, sh- a shot unless it's from David Lemieux, and um, gave a good account of himself. But Mungi is just—he was there. To, he was there as an opponent, wasn't he? Troubled him a little bit. Took some low blows along the way as well. But that's what you're, you're gonna have to put up with that shit when you're the B side sometimes. Um, I like Spike. He's a good character. He can punch a little bit, but to, for me, he's never going to be an A-level guy at 160. Never. Um, you know, he just—he's just lacking that little bit of whatever it is, ring generalship, bit of now, bit of something, bit of extra um, skill skill set to be the top level guy. Having said that, he's still probably paydays out there for him um, as an opponent for guys up and coming like Mungia. Probably doesn't want to hang around, taking shots too long. Thought Packy Collins did a good job pulling him out of there, keeping for another day. He might have one or two more fights to try and earn. I'm sure he'll start trying to stick around and earn a few more quid. Um, Spike, but yeah, he's gonna he's gonna fall short against top level guys as he's done pretty much throughout his top, his whole career. What's his best win? Is it was it was it Keandre Letterwood or someone that he beat before? Or yeah, was it was maybe Antoine Douglas possibly? Antoine Douglas, yeah. Antoine Douglas, but he he, look, he yeah. looks he looks that scared. Was, didn't he he looks scared of the fight so. that guy. Was that Antoine Douglas? Actually, was that after or before uh, he got his cunt kicked in off that fucking mad Russian kids? I think it was before. I'm not sure if it was that guy. Yeah, after. Yeah, would be. Yeah, maybe so. But he looked like he didn't want to fight that guy, did he? So maybe go back to to Antoine. Sterling in the point in the in the night of the <laughs> flying chair into the ring. You Still wait gate. for years and years to get. Yeah, you wait for years and years to get a fight back in Dublin, and the minute you do. Um, someone throws a stool in the ring and fella gets iced <laughs> in one round. Um, so a bit on fire. No, look, Spike is—he's a good guy, but he's not—he's not, he's not going to make it as an A-level fighter. Um, what else was going around? Joe Smith and uh, Jesse Hard. I watched Jesse, that. Jesse, yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, Joe Smith is a, good, a big punching light heavyweight. He's only kind of really lost to good guys, really, hasn't he? He's lost to Barrera, suffered a, a broken jaw in his loss against Barrera. I think in the first round. So. People did, a lot of people wrote him off after that one. Sorry, I'm just coming out of the gaff there now. Um, a lot of people um, wrote off after the first loss to Barrera and then loses predictably to Bivol, but doesn't get stopped. He's in there. So he's definitely a tough young. Well, we're just losing you a little bit. You might need to give, you might need to give the old telephone a bit of a shake. We're losing you slightly, Rob. to fight at all did he like he was hanging out of the ring in the first he was just backing up backing up and then for one of the judges to go and give him the decision after fucking losing around 10 rounds like um it was pretty shocking but joe smith i'd like to see joe smith in, in with anybody at light heavyweight he always he's always in a decent fight and he's always got a chance of knocking somebody kicking with his big big punching ability so um while he's technically not great he's uh he's okay to watch clarissa shields would you just would they give that one up like get the fuck would you fuck off with Clarissa Shields everybody's out on Twitter now in uprage apparently in, in outrage if you don't like Clarissa Shields now you're either a misogynist or a racist or both um, I'm a misogynist any, and racist now so I get both has anybody ever but has anybody ever heard her like has anybody ever heard her or listened to her she's ridiculous like, she's, she's the most unlikable character in the sport it's nothing to do with her race it's nothing to do with the fact that she's a woman she's just not a likable per- person in the sport she's got a kind of an un- undeserving sense of kind of alright she's achieved great stuff as a woman boxer she's brilliant 
brilliant, brilliant fighter. Not going to take it away from her. But to, to come out and say that she wants equal pay, she wants the same pay as the big stars that are in boxing, never going to happen. Delusional. In fucking dreamland. And to think just because she won so many world titles in 10 fights that she's somehow comparable to Lomachenko and, and Oscar De La Hoya. It's just a Jeff Fennick and all these guys. It's fucking laughable. So do away with that Clarissa Shields. I'm not even going to go in too much on it because it's just the more air you give that stuff, the more it, the more it um, builds and builds. Um, Tank Davis, I think. Did Tank Davis, did we cover that one? or No, we haven't got there yet. You're, you're on fire tonight, Rob. Yeah. Sorry, I was just trying to remember everything I saw since the last episode. So, um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'll, I'll, uh, I'll come back to you when, when, when the time was right on that one. No problem, we'll come back to you on Tank. Going to give everybody a chance to speak on Clarissa Shields. I'm echoing what Rob's saying, actually. I think she's a good fighter, but you have to look at the levels of opposition as well. Habazin, she was tough, she was rugged. She came forward and had a go. But, I mean, she's again, it's just mediocrity. You can't judge people against the likes of Lomachenko. It's not, nothing to do with the fact she's a woman. The pool, the depth of talent just isn't there at the moment. It's different things like the darts. They're going up against the men. They're able to compete, obviously, because they're not beating the shit out of each other. And they are competing to a certain level. But in boxing, Clarissa Shields, what she she's done is great in, in, in a context Andy but comparing it to the likes of De La Hoya like you say Lomachenko and all that it doesn't compare whatsoever and she just had this massive chip on her shoulder she needs to just chill out although then again she's only like 21, 22 weren't we all talking shit I mean we're talking shit at nearly 40 I mean what can you do? Hey. Yeah, I mean, what, she's 24. I mean, what she's achieved is, is, has been a dramatic rise I mean, you know Olympic gold medalist um, I don't. Know, I think she'd be the first woman uh, Olympic gold medalist that America's ever had. That so obviously they're going to go a bit, you know, do lally for it, or maybe a two-time medalist. I'm not too sure. Does she fight in London? Kind of mind. You know, world. Uh, she's fought in world championships and stuff like that as well, and Pan American Games. And she's come in and she's obviously went up and done the weights and stuff as far as super middleweight and you know unified belts. But the thing is, these are vacant titles. You know, this 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 is another thing as well. You know, and I, I want to bring this up because. Especially the, the the way people are kind of talking these days, and I guess off the back end, this Me Too movement and stuff, you know, everything seems to be kind of going towards the feminism side and stuff like that. But at the end of the day, as well as, you know, these women are fighting 10, 10 twos, 10 rounds, two minute fights, right? We've got Wimbledon, for example, Serena Williams, fucking, she's got equal pay compared to the men, but she's playing less sets. So, and another thing as well is, you know, she's saying like nobody gives her any credit and stuff like that. Well, I'm sorry, but they do. There's no many people, and me included, that watch women boxing. Now, if you listen to this podcast for a number of years and stuff like that, the first female f- professional fighter in history was Norwegian, Cecilia Bracus, became the first unified, undisputed world champion. Okay? And she na- nobody, nobody, and I mean that, nobody gave her her fucking due respect apart from her home country where she was, at that time, I think it was like four Christmases ago, she'd won a sports person of the year for the fifth time hard running. And that's a country that's mainly run by Arctic sports person, uh, personalities and stuff like that. And the person that Chris, like, Clarissa Shields beat, uh, the other night there, Brad Cush has already beat her, has schooled her as well. So... And what what did what happened mere months after Bracus actually went ahead and become this you know the first iconic female champion in the professional boxing? Ring magazine, the Bible of boxing, is supposed to be put Ronda Rousey on their fucking front cover and with a question mark or something along the lines of is it, could this could Ronda beat Floyd Mayweather at boxing because she's apparently laid waste to everybody? You know, is that understood? Is that understood? It. You know, and I'm maybe get this wrong. The UFC guys who, who listen to this will probably you know correct me if I'm wrong. But as I understand it, even the UFC 
women's uh, or what division she fought on in the UFC, and that was fucking bereft of talent until she fought Holly Holm. There again, I might be wrong, but it's just we need to calm down. And this that, this quote, this greatest woman of all time, pish, it's it's it's, it's bad part. I mean, it's like TBE, that other prick, that Henry Sacedo Triple C pish that he's pushing out in AIDS, man. That is just just cut it out, just cut it out, right? As you see, you're gonna put a kind of chip on your shoulder. You're gonna put a chip on your shoulder, right? Now, at the end of the day, you've you've done and achieved great things. But as Steve quite rightly said, and we've said in the past before, the talent level isn't there. You got up and didn't weight divisions because there's a lack of talent. Now Cecilia Bracus cleaned out her division. It got so bad for her opponents, she had to get fighters to come down and fighters to come up and wait. Right? And now she's talking about fighting you. But that fight will need to happen in about welterweight or super welterweight. So maybe that's a fight that needs to happen. And the reason why she gets shit is because of how she reacted as opposed to that uh, that husband's or Habazan's uh, trainer um, getting badly assaulted and that off your own brother. Now, I, I know mm. there's been there's been, there's real issues in the background in regards to her upbringing and stuff like that. But look, we've all got stories like that. Okay, we've all had shitty sh- sh- cases and there is some worse than others and stuff. But that's no an excuse. It's just no an excuse, right? She's done absolutely fantastic things, as I say, but let us just calm down the hyperbole and stuff like that. She, she's talking about wanting to fight men. Right? If you want to fight men, then you fight fucking 12 rounds for three minutes, right? And you get in there and, right, and fight a guy. You'll not do it because there's a reason Steve says why women are, women are competing against men and darts or snooker or whatever stuff like that. because you're no fucking swapping punishment, right? Now, if you want to talk shit, fine, go ahead and fight a man. Get a commission to okay it and see how you stand up to it. Because I guarantee you, any decent fighter... I mean, can you imagine her fighting Canelo, for example, at fucking middleweight? She would she get fucking annihilated. Let's just, you know, come on, let's just calm down about it. And she's talking about equal pay. Well, if there's equal pay, there needs to be, you know, like everything else. You know, if you want to get millions and millions of dollars and stuff like that, there needs to be a lot of income, you know, your fight, it needs to be a low interest, Floyd Mayweather interest, you're talking about Manny Pacquiao type interest, you don't possess that no woman boxer possesses that that, that A grade you know, pulling power, not even Katie Taylor who's who's supposed to be the, the greatest amateur to come out of Ireland you know, the, the title she's picked up the, you know, the amateur medals, nobody can, can you know, as an amateur can actually kind of come anywhere near what she's achieved, but look at it, look at who she's beat the lack of talent isn't there even for Katie Taylor so I'm sorry, but until okay, we're maybe moving the right direction, but until you know, it's, it's maybe going to take 10, 15, 20 years and more girls and more women coming into sport to actually then you know get proper sparring and you know just to kind of enhance the level. That's what that's what the the, the professional women's box needs. It needs more talent and more fighters. But you can't put yourself in pedestals like Lomachenko and fucking Canelo, Sweet T Crawford, Yuzik. NUA, I'm sorry, you can't do it because these guys are fucking destroying people. You're schooling fighters who are a level below you because you've got a lack of talent, and that's all it is. It's not because of race, it's not because of your skin colour. Nothing like that. It's just because you haven't got the fucking opponents to prove how good you are, and if you want to go and prove it, go fight a man, but that's not going to happen, so what's the fucking point? A few years ago, they did try to make a fight between a woman and a man. Anne Wolf was going to fight Skipper Kelp. They were calling it Anne versus Man, but they couldn't get it sanctioned in the end, so it didn't happen. Uh, my view, Aussie, not that anybody cares, on women's boxing. I'm not averse to women's boxing. I don't care if it happens or it doesn't happen. And I, I look forward to certain fights 
I like I enjoyed watching the first fight between Taylor against Pursoon, and I actually genuinely was looking forward to a rematch taking place. But I mean, I'm not going to look for it to get banned or anything. But the likes of Serrano, isn't it Amanda Serrano? She's like a six weight <coughs> world champion. Guys are saying yeah. in the chat there, she won a vacant title at 140, and then the next title fight was vacant at 115. I mean, it's just farcical at the moment. You enjoyed the Taylor fight against Pursoon because it was competitive. Yeah. And it's one of the few competitive fights that takes place. And I've always said, regardless of whether it's two pigs, two cows, males, females, whatever, if the fight's competitive, it's enjoyable. Nobody cares about, like, when Katie Taylor fights, some of these are people, you, you Google them, they've had, like, four fights and the boxing for world titles and stuff because there's nobody available. Um, I want to see Taylor fight Chantel Cameron and that fight never gets mentioned. And they just pull in, like, they're on about a fight in Serrano next and... I just couldn't care about that whatsoever. As for Shields, I mean, she says that she wants she wants to be compared as what's it called, you know, like you know, like all, all the big names and things like that, or fight a man. Marcus Morrison, right, who is what? Uh, an average domestic fighter. It, it beat the shit out of her. Imagine Gary O'Sullivan landed that big right hand like he did on Mungir on the chin of Shields last night. She'd still be on the floor now. It, it's just not uh I mean I mean I think this is where we need to call on the, um, is it the the NBC, the Malta Boxing Commission or something like that? <laughs> They'll sanction this, or if uh, the Luxembourg Boxing Commission will come out who sanctioned the Hagesora fight back in uh, back at Upton Park, I'm sure they'll sanction a, a Shields against whoever fight, and she'll get beat. Um I mean, I, I hate it when skin colour's brought into, you know, to support an argument, particularly when it's false. And this narrative is brought up to suit people's arguments. It's simply not the case. People don't like Clarissa Shields because she has this big-headed, pig-ignorant attitude from where she wants to be, you know, compared with like the likes of Canelo, Lomachenko, people like that. Fair play to her for what she's achieved in the sport. Very well done. But she's not on the level compared to the males, and it it's just a case of it's it's uh, it's the quality and depth. As Andy said, if there were stacks and stacks of fighters, you know, from where you know she, there were regular competitive fights, then that'd be great. Fair play to you, and it still wouldn't be comparable. But there's certainly more strength to the argument. But as you say, you've got one of the world champions campaigning at 140, and then the next fight. Drops down to £115. That is nigh on unheard of. You would never see that whatsoever. Uh, um, in the men's side of the sport, it's just absurd to even make any sort of comparison whatsoever. And like I say, I, I had no interest in watching that fight. Um, the, the fight I would probably watch Clarissa Shields in would be against Savannah Marshall. Uh, purely for the fact that there's a bit of UK interest there, and I think Marshall's one of only what one or two women to beat her, something like that. Only so one, I, I think. Is it the only person who's ever beaten her? So I yeah, I think so. Yeah, I think so. So that that is a fight that I would watch and I would be interested in because I have an interest because basically because I know who Savannah Marshall is and she was actually decent and she looks like she can punch as well. But again, you look at her record. And some of the people they bring over, I mean, you just need to look at, right, Shannon Courtney's garbage, but look at the people they find to, uh, to what's it called, to fight her. You're, it's like Yeah, but you're, you're making a good point as well, and that goes back to Clarissa Shields when you bring up Shannon Courtney, because in the next year, Shannon Courtney will probably earn more than Savannah Marshall. 
because she's yeah. Sky's baby and she'll be on all the Eddie Hearn shows now and yeah. they're Coogan. Coogan just can't stop interviewing her. She's building her profile and that's the fucking name of the game. It's got nothing to do with gender. It's got nothing to do with race. Boxing is a numbers game. It's a popularity contest. The ones who get paid the most are the ones who are the most popular and the most dominant. And that's just the way it is. You're not Women's boxing is not going to bring in those kind of numbers. You couldn't put a women's boxing event currently on pay-per-view fact. So where is she going to get all this money? Where's the money going to come from? It'd be different. And you mentioned Serena Williams as well, uh, getting equal pay. Yeah, but like Serena Williams, you can make an argument for because her profile of the uh, in her particularly Serena, like yeah. she's a megastar. Like she's a fucking megastar. Clarissa Sheens is nowhere near that radar. Like nowhere near it, and it's yeah. not going to be anywhere near it. And it's nothing to do with. It's got nothing to do with who, you know, her makeup. And then when you see these these other guys, like. These and I don't want to get political because I'm nowhere political, right? So I'm not left, I'm not right. I'm just in the middle. I just think fair is fair. I don't believe in left and right. I just believe in right and wrong. Like, but you see these guys coming out, white journalists going, I think we all know the real reason why people dislike Clarissa Shields. Self-love and wanker that guy, by yeah, the way. Yeah, fuck off. We just knock that shit on the head. We watch the fights. We don't care about that. And Clarissa Shields is not a star, so she's not going to be able to make up that kind of d- difference in in pay gap to a like some fucking Canelo like give me a fucking break would you why is it what, as you say Rob why is it white people that come out with this shit I fucking hate white people <laughs> like you know and I, that's not coming from a that's not coming like my, some of my best some of my best friends are fucking do you know what I mean black guys from the worst parts of you could of, yeah. of, of America the toughest parts of America it's got nothing to do with any of that like it's just a fact of the matter is Clarissa Sheen's is not a star, and she's not going to generate that kind of money. And that's the name of the game in boxing. It's a, you know what I mean? And if you're if if you're campaigning for it based on talent, and hey, all these people are saying, oh, she trains as hard as the men. Lads, I know train as hard as professional soccer players, but they're not professional soccer players. You know what yeah. I mean? It's just a fucking. It's just the way it is. It's just ridiculous. So sorry, I gave it too much time. I wasn't going to give it as much time as I did. But as, as you say, though, you've got you've got Cecilia Breakhouse and you've got Katie Taylor who are in there. They're like a not anomalies in the way, in a way, in terms of like their their talents have earned them cash and things like that. And uh, I mean Taylor was you know in terms from a UK perspective was essentially you know one of the first ones to make it big, and she's had the backing of a major promoter pumping cash in. And to be honest, these fights that they bring all the champions over because they're not expensive to make, they're not expensive whatsoever because. There's not the depth and and paydays for, for I, I mean I'm not sure on exact purses but I know for like Savannah Marshall um, when she was with Hennessy Sports was on about eight hundred pounds around so she was getting like eight grand for a fight that I know prospects like four and oh five and oh who get that through wages and you know selling some tickets so that shows the disparity there in terms of you know interest. And you hit the nail on the head, Rob, about Shannon Courtney. She'll earn more cash than the majority of female fighters because she sells tickets and you know she's she you know she's got the banter and advertise their watch like, and stuff like that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, people are sponsored she's got sponsors that give her fucking Rolex watches. She's doing something right because she's marketable off the thingy. She used to be fat, now she's thin, she's got a great story, which we all know the spin doctor Adam Smith loves a story. Um, and and that's the case. Shields is just, I mean, Shields Shields is a PR disaster. What about 
when she supported was it her uncle or her brother who beat the oh, shit uh, out Leon of that Lo- Leon Lawson yeah yeah and she's putting posts out saying oh it was mistaken identity and he, he's not like that and that's not the case that's why you'll never get people approaching you because you come out with bullshit like that mistaken <laughs> identity <laughs> So Give it's me. on fucking camera, and she's coming out defending him. I'm thinking it is just a blade. If you did that on the street, if I was walking down the street and did that to somebody, I'd be in a fucking prison cell. That's she where was, I think. She, she is, sorry, Steve, she is, we've just finished up, we spent, probably spent too long on it, but as, as Robin, as Ozzy mm-hmm. says, because you know, she's not a star and stuff like that, she's not drawing the money, so what she should do? Turn full fucking heel. Use that fucking, that bad upbringing that you had. Use that, that, that street rat in you, that street hood, and fucking go with it. Be the bad guy. Be the bad woman. You know, fucking be that bad person. Because I guarantee you, you're probably be far more successful and far more lucrative than fucking doing what you're doing and fucking fighting trash. Because you get the hood coming in and they'll be fucking spending money on merchandise and tickets and stuff like that. So fucking go down that route. Gabe, anything from you finally before we move on to the Japanese cards? Uh, jump in now. Gabe's a bitch. This is boring. She's a fucking asshole. She doesn't deserve big money. You guys said it all already. Go on to New Year's then, Gabe. Did you see anything of it? Uh, Kozi, Tanaka, Kazuto, Ioka, names of that description. It's right, your Woo! scene. What what went down before we bring in Andy? Because I know he'll have something to say. Oh, sure. Uh, that was, as as is typical of the Japanese uh, boxing the new year always brings in some some big name fighters at the end. Uh, Kazuto Ioka. What, what have, I'm sure Andy may have a little bit more uh, exact knowledge of this, but he's fought so many New Year's Eves in a row, and he's damn near won them all. Uh, another tremendous performance from him. Uh, and Kosai Tanaka, who, who's actually probably my favorite low-weight fighter uh, at the moment, and the guy that I think is is probably one of the most bang for your buck kind of guys. I'm telling anybody on who's listening to this show, if you haven't seen him, you got to check him out because you're going to be able to pull him up on a stream or what have you, and it'll definitely be worth your time. The guy is is destined to have a short career. Uh, he's in violent fights every time out. Um, complete action fighter. Uh, but he's got enough boxing ability too, so that those guys that that don't want to see a just a brutal battle just for the fuck of it will will appreciate what he does because uh, he does it at, at a level that is exciting, but also skilled. Uh, definitely one of my favorite fighters. Um, but he had a pretty easy victory over his guy. Can't remember who it was. It was a uh, not a big recognizable name by any stretch of the imagination. Um, but both guys had big wins at the end of the year there. So it sets them up maybe in these first couple of months of the year to have a, a, a good big fight. Um, you know, at this point, I think that uh, probably for um, uh, for Tanaka, um, there's a lot of good fights that can, that can happen out there. Um, but I'm not sure exactly what everyone's going to want to see and what they're going to go with. Um, I, I think the who... Yes, yeah, that's the one. Him. That's the uh, one. Yeah, I think that would probably be my favorite uh, possible fight for him coming up. I mean, it, it appears to have everything that you could want in a fight, 
I mean, to me, that would be the route to take. Um, uh, and then uh, with Ioka, where is he at? He's at a uh, 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 115. So you've got plenty of fights there for him, too. I mean, I love uh, Juan Francisco Estrada. I think he would school Kazuto Ioka, but it could be a good fight there, too. Um, Rung Visai, I don't know what the fuck he's been doing since he got beat by Estrada. Uh, I don't even know if he's had a fight since then. He goes um, missing, but... doesn't he? Yeah, it's a bad time. His wife left him, that you know, eh? Yeah. It's pretty cool. Yeah, he... No one knows where he is. He's something uh, he catches in rats now. <laughs> <laughs> I, I would like to see Kazuto uh, uh, Aoki with him. Uh, German and Kahas is down at 115, I believe, still. Uh, that would be a good fight. Yafai's down there. I, I feel like Kazuto Aoki's got a ton of good fights. Um, seeing him in with uh, Chocotito, if if he's going to carry on, wouldn't be a bad one. Uh, I think, uh, what is his name? Acne back. Uh, fucking qu- Quadras. Quadras, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, goddamn, looks like he got road rash on his back from a motorcycle accident, but, um, but puts on good fights. Uh, I mean, there's tons of guys down there that you can, that you can easily make fights with. Uh, Nietes, uh, I think he fought on New Year's Eve. Uh, and then, um, I mean, there's so many matchups down there for Kazuto Aoka. I, uh, unfortunately, I really don't feel like he's going to do well if he were to fight, uh, Rung Visai or Estrada. Uh, just something about his style doesn't seem to me to be a good matchup against either of those guys. And, and I feel like at 115, he may be a little bit undersized for some of those guys. Um, but but there's so many fights that could be made all the way around for either one of those guys. Uh, obviously, Tanaka is is a smaller guy. Uh, I don't know. I, I can't understand Japanese broadcasts. I don't speak Japanese, so um, I'm not sure what his weight's looking at on fight nights. Um, maybe if he were to even step up to 115, that would be a tremendous fight. I don't, I don't know if he's anywhere near that, but he's gone up. Uh, a couple of weight divisions already, so you know another one could be in the cards before too long. But I would definitely like to see that Martinez fight before then, uh, before he leaves the division. I think that would be probably one of the best ones. Uh, Tito Acosta uh, had already had a great fight with uh, who, who did he fight? Uh, El- Elwin Soto. Soto. Yeah. Yes, Soto. That yeah. was a fight last year. Yeah. Uh, that was probably one of my favorite fights that I saw. Um, I, I would like to see him in with any of those guys. I mean, I don't know how again how close he is to moving up to to one fifteen, um, if at all. Uh, but but that could be another fight to take. And, and I feel like Aoka could possibly move down to again. Uh, the reason I mentioned not being able to understand the the uh, language is because I don't know what they say during the shows. If there's any weight problems, uh, they always look good. These two guys, so. Uh, just a tremendous amount of opportunities and a great close out to the year for both those guys uh, ending the year with some with some good wins. Uh, I, I'm really eager to see what either of those guys do uh, in, in the coming year. I they think they should have a lot of good things. Uh, uh, also, uh, Ken Shiro. Uh, yeah, I was going to mention uh, him to well, you, actually, Gabe. It's funny you should bring him up because you recommended before the pod uh, left for 2019 to go and watch Ken Shiro. 
And I think he has a really interesting style. Do you know what he reminds me of? You know, whenever you see a video every now and again of like a man fighting a kangaroo, you know, like a kangaroo will come in and the guy will punch him in the face. Ken Shiro boxes like a kangaroo. Is it just me who's seen this? You know, the way he sort of bobs up and down, his little arms are going out there. Maybe it's just me, Gabe. He is an interesting guy. He, he looks like a little nerd. Uh, like when you see pictures of him, he looks like a little fucking nerdy guy that would be sitting there with his computer uh, playing video games and shit. But but I mean, watching him fight. He, he's done uh, pretty good by my likes every time I've seen him fight. Um, and, and he's up there at 108 too, so he's not too far off from the 115 pounders. Uh, or excuse me, the 112 pounders with Tanaka. Um, I think that could be a real fucking barn burner with with Kinshiro and and um, uh, uh, Kosa Tanaka. I mean, there's just so many good fights down there, and and they're all within a division or two of each other. And there's all this room for any of those guys to move up, move around, whatever it is. And and I feel like at any point in time we could see a real explosion down there in those lower weights. So, uh, again, I can't recommend any of these guys highly enough. Um, anyone that we've really mentioned, and I'm sure Andy probably has some even even better reviews of some guys maybe I'm not quite as familiar with, but uh, uh, I'm going to give a little plug to uh, Asian Boxing. If any of you guys are, are fans of these lower weight classes or, or, or are curious about them, uh, Asian Boxing got ton, tons of write-ups uh, on the stories there um, that are occurring. Uh coverage of all the fights and stuff. So if you're a fan of, of these lower weight guys and, and the Asian scene in general, uh, th- those folks over there, they've got tons of information for you. So that's a good place to start if you're curious. Andy, just bringing you in for a brief recap on the Japanese boxing. Just before we do so, I have to mention, I have to defend the integrity of Carlos Quadras there. Everybody knows that that uh, rash on his back, is a vic- he's a victim of falling off his bicycle while cycling with no top on, so I just thought I'd have to just defend him there. Aye, no lotion to put on, mate, to try and kind of, you know, as the old saying is, you know, run your tongue up that back, you know. Yeah, I, I, I would also think uh, Gabe said there, uh, Tanaka, again, victorious, to be honest. The tie the, the fighter that he bought, the, the, sorry, the, the tie fighter that he fought, not bought, um, no great. And to be honest, for what I was reading for the Asian boxing on the tie scene, it seems to be in a bit of a quagmire at the minute with the TV deals and that, so I think you might be seeing more of the kind of boxers turning to kind of Muay Thai and you know, kickboxing and stuff, because I just don't think it's happening for a minute uh, on that scene. And you used to get that, there's a couple of YouTube channels uh, that used to put out the the, the, um, the Thai fights, the Thai boxing fights, and they've been very, very quiet over the last 18 months. Uh, I, Ioka had problems, actually, with this guy, Cintron, just purely because he's his length and reach, but his experience told at the end of the day, and I think he, he is different there for the taking. If you, if you if you look at the champions at uh, Super Flyweight, I, would, I think I might have mentioned it before, I'd probably rank him maybe third, maybe Drop Ankaha's fourth, um, but I just think because he's he's what now he's thirty, he's been boxing since well, I think it's about eleven years now, and he's been fighting for minimum weight up to super flyweight. And I, I know it's not a lot of weight, but uh, he's he must be at his ceiling now. I think he maybe could got one more than that, but it might be a bit of a push. Um, that was mandatory as well, so. If there's, if there's one fight I would, I would love to see, as, as, as Gabe says as well, for like Tanaka, um, and to be honest, I really would favour Martinez in that fight. Actually, that uh, that was the guy that fought that Christopher Rosales on the, on the last Sky Card. 
Um, I think that'd be an absolute bloodbath. Taraka's come forward to all action, but um, he has shown in, in the past, you know, he's broken orbital bones. He can get into wars when he doesn't really need to get involved in it. And uh, but he's also showed the, the other boat, his arrow, and that that he's been able to box and be defensively responsible. But I just think when it comes down to it, when it, when the fists start flying and you start getting tagged a wee bit and start some of the punches start to kind of hurt a little bit, and that you want to kind of lay a bit of beef in your own shots and just to kind of let your opponent know that listen I'm still on this fight and I think Martinez would probably bring that fight to him um, and to me I think Martinez would maybe kind of wear him down in the end but uh, I think that's you know, if you want a unification fight at flyweight that is the one to be made uh, closer to Raka and uh, Julio Cesar Martinez uh, Ioka's obviously got options as well Estrada, Yafai and Cajas I think Yafai's Possibly kind of face legal action, well, no legal action, but my Andrew Maloney's trying to kind of force matters with the with the courts. He's wanting his mandatory shot next, so that's going to fuck up any chance of any unification fights. Um, Gonzalez is all stuff about the way if um, that fight could get made, and Rung Visai seems to be Asian boxing had they tweeted out actually as well that Rung Visai against Charlie Edwards was either getting rumoured on the in the Thai press, which by the way. If that fight ever gets, yeah, exactly. If that fight gets made, man, I'm no favouring Charlie Edwards' long-term career in, in that fight. You know, he could, he could, he could potentially outbox him, uh, but you need to do it in the back foot because we know Rungvisai hasn't got a jab, but he'll just come forward and mentally, we just don't know where he's at at this point in time as well. So uh, there is that to it. But um, just to kind of answer Gabe's other point in that as well as the Ioka uh, fighting on the last so many. New Year's Eve cards, it's four of the last six he's fought on, so it's, uh, it's quite some going, but I did think the, the Japanese cards were as strong as they have been over the nah, last few years nah. as well, to be honest with you. Um, obviously we had the, the card but on the last podcast, we did the Ken Shiro and uh, Yakiri Yagashi and that, who, and obviously um, he'd fought Maruti um, Mathalene and he had the Royal Marata, but I think the Japanese scene outside the NUA as well is it's, it's kind of in a bit of development. There is fighters coming through, but it might take a wee bit of time for these guys to kind of pick up belts and stuff like that. But as I say, if you go down and wait, Tanaka, um, you've got Harry to get Kayaguchi and Ken Shiro doing it like flyweight, you know, potential fight as well to get made and that. But um, not as many champions, uh, uh, you know, uh, Japanese, you know, from Japan at the minute. Maybe that's the reason why. Uh, we're not getting these kind of heavier stack cards. Gabe's mentioning maybe Tanaka against uh, Ken Shiro. I th- uh, possibly. Um, I forget what weight Yagashi was fighting it again, actually, in his last fight. I think it was doing it. Uh, flyweight, I think it was. Um, 112, yeah. 112, so... Yeah, he could potentially make the weight in that, but again, I think his, his last stand was against my Methylene, who, by the way, he went into trenches with him, and when Methylene as well was standing in there and dogging you out, I think Ken Shiro would, would probably do him roughly kind of around about the same time frame, plus coming down in weight at 37, yeah. 38 years of age and that as well, as I think he's, he's only a big I'm, I'm no expert, Andy, but should the JBC not be having a look at his licence? He's, t- he's had a lot of fights, hasn't he, now, Yogashi? Yeah, and they're quite they're quite Brutal, stringent as well. Dude. Yeah, they're God, quite stringent yeah, as well. The JBC wars. Yeah, he's been in wars. Like the JBC might step in. You know, they're quite stringent over weight issues. If you miss weight, drug testing, and that's so, why they might they might look at it and say, look, enough's enough, and they might not license them. But who knows? They might get one dance. You know, as a kind of farewell fight, maybe let them go out and a win or whatever and that. But to me, he's he's done at title level. 
Okay, boys, you are listening to episode 355 of the Boxing Asylum Notez podcast. We're back with a vengeance. Rapping Rob Kelly, Ozzie Smith, Andy Patterson, Gabe Lewis is here with me, Steve Wellings. Thank you to everybody in the chat who's with us as well. Uh, Lee the Alcoholic Foch, see him there. Tosh, Jason Chukwu is in the chat as well. 14 hearts, hit that heart button. Didn't even know it was a thing, but it seems to be there anyway. Uh, 356 is next week, naturally. Just stalling while I bring up the next screen on my computer. I mentioned earlier we we're going to be looking over 2019 very briefly before we go on to Bellew of the Weeks. We will be indeed doing that. Aussie, before that uh, comes to fruition, Javonta Davis, Uriorkis Gamboa. This was over Christmas. Atlanta, Atlanta, Georgia, wasn't it? Yeah, 28th of December. Um, Pascal Jack, that was a good fight, actually. I enjoyed that Pascal Jack fight, you know. Uh, Jack on the wrong end of a decision yet again. Start off with Javonta Davis against Gamboa, though. A few people, including Paulie Malinagi, were calling bullshit on Gamboa having a torn Achilles. Said there was something wrong with his shoe or something. I was, I must admit, I'm no medical expert. My wife's a nurse. Didn't bother asking her. She doesn't care. Gamboa, how on earth was he managing to move around the ring with this torn Achilles or whatever it was, ruptured Achilles, and he seemed to be moving pretty. I don't know. I don't know what I'm trying to say here, but do you think it's genuine? Do you think he was injured as badly as he made out? It's not as bad as, as David Hayes, where apparently physio could sort it out, but no surgery is required. So I was just about to reference that we saw what a torn slash ruptured Achilles was like when David A. bust his, and he uh, he showed a picture of it. And it looked like bloody tagliatelle spaghetti. It was all over the place. As for Gamboa, he was moving relatively freely. Um, so to say that, you know, he had a serious... I mean, his comments said he had a serious injury. I think it's been a bit overhyped. Um, I thought... <sighs> he's disappointed with Davis because he's, he's gone up in a weight and he missed the weight again originally. Um, and, I mean, he had to you know, like go and do sprints and things like that and just shave off, what was it, a, a pound or something like that? Half a pound or something, so... Or was it a bit more? I, I it was a wee bit more, I think, mate. I think it's it Jimmy, yeah, J- Jimmy Lennon Jr. even tweeted out, he says he was shocked that he made the weight two hours later because really? he, he looked he looked done I wonder, in the I first time. I wonder if it's two pound then. I think it was, mate. It was about two yeah, and a half pound or something. Yeah. He's ra- he had to run back to the scales to make the time as well. Yeah, ah, yeah I saw that video, yeah, and they were they were absolutely legging it there and he made it. Um, so, I mean, it's a concern that I, I think with Davies, he has to stay active, like, Literally, he has a week out the gym and then gets back in because his weight is a problem. Um, and the guy's talented and he can really punch as well. I mean, I thought he beat up Gamboa with relative ease. Uh, I thought he did take some shots. I mean, he said that, oh, I'm barely touched. But his face was marked up, Davis. So um, the delusion is still there at times. But that that's okay. Um, like I said, he is talented. It's going to be interesting to see where he goes next. Um, I think we can safely rule out the, the Lomachenko fight. Uh, we'd all love that to happen, but it won't. We know it won't happen. Um, obviously, I don't see him fighting someone like Tiafimo Lopez. Um, I don't think he'd fight someone like Richard Comey either. So it's going to be interesting. I don't really know where they'll match him next. Um, Gambo wasn't exactly uh, you know, like a pleasing, uh, pleasing opponent. However, he, he did the job that he needed to do. Um, some people felt they should have got him out of there sooner. Um, Gambo was sure he can take a shot, but all in all, it, it, it was okay. Um, a, a relatively solid performance. I wonder if the weight, maybe, you know, like blitzing two and a half pound off in two hours, maybe just did take a little bit out of him because that's not good practice to, you know, shaving 
that sort of weight within two hours because, I mean, God knows what he was doing, probably in saunas, doing sprints, in hot baths, cold baths, all sorts. Um, and it was an achievement in itself making that weight. Uh, but that's saying, as, as I say, he, he's got that win. Um, I think I saw something in the press uh, that he wants to kill Floyd Mayweather Jr. or something like that. That came out in the past couple uh, 48 hours, so... Lord knows what that means, but um, it's just another day in the life of Javonta Davis. He notches up another win, and I don't know what will happen next for him, but I've no doubt it will be a surprise when it's revealed. I think he's about Davis, Rob. He's moving the needle on the social media. They love the clips. It's got millions of views. Fox are looking to push him towards a paper oh, yeah. with Leo Santa Cruz. He's definitely going in the right direction, and the good thing is he can punch so they get those highlight reel knockout clips. Yeah, yeah. Uh, look, at I was a bit, I was high on Tag Davis when he first burst onto the scene. Um, I think he's, I think he's a right good fighter. I think he can really punch, but it's, it's blatant, blatantly obvious to me how this story is going to end. Like, and it, it's obvious by the company that he keeps. Yeah, like I mean, look at he has Bleaks, my friend Bleaks, at this casting over, welcome to the ring. And he's in the dressing room with him afterwards, telling him how good a job he did. Casanova's the same fellow that was shot at in the Barclays Centre at one of the Broner fights. So, like, you're blown up in weight. You can't make weight even though you went up in weight. You're not disciplined. You Like, he's not the brightest guy. Like, it's obvious he's not the brightest guy, so you don't want to be too harsh on him. But, like, he comes across as ungrateful. Like, Mayweather moved him out of Baltimore, bought him... Um, Furniture, he sold the furniture, he sold it and then leased and bought a big car, went back to the place in Baltimore where he's already had family members kidnapped because he's an extortion target and he's gone back there. So that tells you everything you need to know about Javante Davis, his lifestyle outside the ring. He's on an interview today on PBC and he's saying he's wearing uh, two millions worth of jewellery. He had about five platinum chains around his neck with diamonds in them five platinum ones and he's saying um, wearing roughly around two millions worth of jewellery now obviously I don't think he owns that if he owns it more foolish some of these guys lease these jewels just to wear but regardless the focus is not on the fights with Javante Davis and he should have been doing better against Gamboa who himself is a kind of a sad tale of like if he'd have had the same opportunities that that Javante had who knows where Gamboa could have gone because his career went probably the same yeah, well, maybe, but yeah, he's, his career went arseways when he signed with 50 Cent because 50 Cent was doing a deal to start a promotional company, a 50-50 joint venture with Mayweather, and he signed Gamboa. Mayweather was supposed to give, it was something like 20 mil or something that they put in, and Mayweather was supposed to give his 10 mil when he came home from jail and then decided he didn't want to be in 50 Cent boxing promotions and he wasn't giving the money to 50 Cent. And that's why the two of them are still going at each other to this day because... Floyd pulled out of the deal and said he never agreed to anything and there was nothing in writing so 50 had invested all his money in the Gamboa and didn't know what to do with him because he had no boxing Floyd was supposed to be the boxing um, part of it so that's unfortunate for Gamboa it's just a bit of a side story but Tank Davis man I've, I would favour Lopez against him now obviously Lomachenko against him now I don't even think up the weight and I mean obviously his power carried a little bit but 
it's just you know how it's going to end, man. You know how it's going to end with with Davis, and it's a shame because he is a good fighter and he's exciting and he sells, like you said, he sells. So it would be beneficial to the sport if he was dedicated and he hung around and he was fighting all comers. But they're hand picking opponents for him ever since the Pedraza fight. Really, he hasn't he hasn't not really fighting live bodies. They're prolonging it. They're trying to build up this fight with Haiti or whoever it is. They ducked. Um, what's the cockeyed fella that um, oh, Kevin Farmer? Farmer. Sorry for calling him cockeyed, but that's how you recognize him in your brain there. Uh, <laughs> um, so, yeah, they're, they're hand-picking everybody. They're not going to fight anyone. He's not disciplined in the ring. I mean, I hope he's nowhere near um, a Lamborghini doing 150, put it that way. <laughs> I'll, tell you, I'll tell you what I'm going to briefly mention, by the way. As a young guy, I don't know what age he's in it, mid-20s now. We've seen it with Hatton, and we've seen it with him. No, just leaving all the other bullshit aside and that just the terms of the weight he can't keep blowing up weight like that and then try to take it off and putting it back on and taking it off there's only so long as you know you can date and try and be effective and then it just catches up you're forced to go up weight and then you know your natural advantages your speed your power that you had at the lower weight is just going to basically negate you because you're a fat lazy bastard who can't keep the weight off you're not disciplined enough so um, to me he's got a window and you know a shelf life of his prime, and I think we're in it just now. I think the next two or three years are going to be telling for his career. And if it's about all about picking cherry picking opponents stuff like, so be it. But the weight is going to be the telling matter. If he keeps kind of like going out of the way and missing it and having time to take it off again or try and take extra off, I'm sorry, his his, his shelf life is very very short. Gabe, any word from you on Javonta Davis? Are you uh, saving up for the big pay-per-view against Leo Santa Cruz already, putting the pennies into the Halifax money box? I'd rather piss in my own boots and wear them around the house. <laughs> do you not do that already? Only piss at no. a clan meeting. <laughs> <laughs> Did you see Badu Jack against John Pascal on the undercard at all, Gabe? Any interest in that? That was a good fight. Uh, yeah, I did. That was actually kind of fun. I mean, I fucking love John Pascal. I, I enjoyed him whenever he was a younger fighter. And, and uh, I mean, he's always had issues. Uh, stamina issues have been a problem for him. Uh, and just his general, you know, way of fighting isn't typically one that you see work a lot. I mean, obviously, he's had his losses and stuff. Uh, and even though I'm happy to see him doing to, to see him winning, I don't think he's doing good because I think he's always on the razor's edge of getting knocked the fuck out in a bad way. Uh, I mean, I don't know. I, I just like in that fight, he got hit sometimes and, and he would be stunned for the whole round. I mean, you could see like his his movement and everything was discombobulated. It wasn't as as um, smooth as it is at times. Um I just feel like he he's he's in a place now where he should be looking as opposed to going on a long run as a title holder. He should be looking to maybe start finding that last fight and seeing where that's at and calculating what happens after that and what he's going to do and and uh, saving that money. I just as much of a fun fight as it was, I just don't like the fact that he's still going. I, I think his time is just about over. And if he doesn't be careful and, and the people don't watch out for him, he's going to end up used up, busted up, and broke as fuck because he's going to end up being in bad mental shape when he's done. He, he seems to me uh, 
like I said, like he's always there on the razor's edge of getting knocked out in a bad way. And, and I don't like to see that with, uh, with him um, because he, he gets hit. He's not a guy that's super elusive. And uh, I, I don't know. I felt like, um, honestly, as I was watching it, I felt like it was a really close fight. I, I really don't know what Bad New Jack's got to do to get a decision to go his way because I felt like that was one of those fights where it could have gone Bad New Jack's way. Uh, but it just seems like in close fights, he can't get a decision. And I, I don't know what why it is. Uh, it it kind of baffles me a little bit to some extent because, honestly, as I was watching it, I felt like they would probably award Badu Jack the victory in that fight, uh, the judges, that is. And I just – when they when they came out with the decisions, I was kind of surprised because although I felt like it was a close fight and it probably uh, leaned towards Pascal, um, I felt like they could have gone either way with it and it wouldn't have surprised me to see it go either way uh, or even a draw right there in the middle. Um, but it was a solid fight. It was it was actually a, a fun fight to watch. And if anybody hasn't seen that, I would I would say go back and rewatch that one. Um, but but credit to Pascal. I mean, it's hard to do it at that age, coming back and and picking up a strap and then defending it against some young uh, tough guys. And 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 you know, um, Badu Jack. I mean, gee whiz, that guy's a that guy's a tough son of a buck. He uh, just continues to go into hard fights um doesn't take any bullshit in the in the interim uh continues to to look for big events and 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 just always seems to come up a little bit short recently but uh tough guy tough guy if you if you're a fan of boxing i don't see how you couldn't be a fan of badu jack i mean he's always in entertaining fights and uh i, I think that one was no exception yeah, I agree. I like Body Jack as well. Uh, next Saturday evening, Rob over in Philadelphia, decent double header from the PBC. Chris Primetime Colbert, a bit of a puncher going in against Jezreel Corrales, step up for the interim WBA World Super Featherweight title. And Julian Williams defending his IBF and WBA Super uh, crappy strap against Jason Rosario, a bit of a puncher, Rosario. I think he'll give Williams a good scrap if he can get past this. J Rock, hopefully see him in, possibly rematch with Hurd, maybe Lara, maybe Charlo, something like that. Yeah, he's good. He's a good watch, isn't he? He's a good out. He gives a good performance. The last one against Howard, that was an epic, epic uh, encounter. Enjoyed that thoroughly. Um, is Colbert a uh, little b-hop? Oh, I don't know. I think he's little. He's um, he was on one of the boxing Netflix documentaries. The kid um, from I think he's from Brooklyn or somewhere, and he had to get the train and all to go tra- to to go go to the gym and stuff. Had a real tough upbringing. Um, standout amateur and has a bit of the showboat style to him, but seems to be a very solid puncher. If it's that's if that's uh-huh. the guy I'm thinking of, by the way, um, just nice. look up if his name is Little B Hop anywhere there. But uh, yeah, he's inter- he's an interesting prospect. I'm excited to see him if it's the guy we're talking about. But yeah, it might not be. Little <laughs> yeah, mentioning Little B Hop there, you reminded me of. Remember Demetrius Hopkins? Whatever happened to him? Wasn't he like the nephew of B Hop or something? I bring him up don't know. Um, um, Willie Gibbs was related to him as well, wasn't he? That fought Andy Lee and Limerick. Oh, he was his cousin. Yeah. Yeah. Here we are, yeah. Demetrius we'll be... Hopkins, yeah. Got him here. Super lightweight. Uh, lost to Jamel Charlo. Lost to Brad Solomon. Lost to Kendall Holt. Yeah, he was a bit of a contender. Beat Stevie Forbes. He was getting the push on the B Hop undercards at one point. Yeah, I don't really remember him, Steve, to be honest. But um, uh, B Hop's Dan, so I shouldn't have known that one. Um, but yeah, if it's a little bit happy, he's a good watcher. If not, 
go find out who he is. Steve, go look it up there, man. Come on. Bane. Look. <laughs> look it up. I haven't done any of those. Well, I think I've done, I think I've done, maybe done fell asleep, but I got told off about the little sound clips. Andy, what about Josh Fuck Taylor? We love the fucking he's... sound clips. Fuck them. Listen, <laughs> listen to something else with no sound clips then. Or listen to the old ones where there's no sound clips. <laughs> Fuck off. Trying to fucking run the show. We're running the show, assholes. <laughs> Rapping Rob Kelly spoken. What about Josh Taylor? He's running the show now, Andy. He's sacked off Baz. This should end well. Yeah. He's gone with MTK. He's got a bit of firepower behind him anyway, at least, when Baz comes looking for him and uh, Bob Arum as well. So what's next for Josh Taylor? Who's going to train him, do you think? Well, that was a question, actually. I, I think the, the way everybody's been reacting to it, I, I would be surprised if he rocks up with Jamie Moore. Um, somebody's going to say, well, he's not really achieved much, Jamie Moore. I can understand that, but what is, what is Josh now? 27, 28? Um, he is what he is I think at this point as well I mean Shane's obviously he's done tri- tremendous well I just think it's it's a shame that uh, the, the relationship or the, the the situation is that to be a trainer with Shane you've got to be kind of a cyclone but I, I, at least the way it looks that way I, mean, I don't know what David Hayes situation is when they work with Shane um, obviously it makes it difficult if your dad is the, the promoter and your son's the, the trainer and you, you know all of a sudden your fighters claiming that your promoters broke contracts or broke the contract in a couple of ways or whatever and stuff and is adios and stuff. So, um, so some people mentioned um, uh, oh, Abel Sanchez, but to me that there, there's red flags after that Golovkin situation. Okay, I mean people are like oh well it was due money and stuff like that. you know it was like because you know Golovkin got the big payday in the end. You can tell it to be pissed off, but you know, I'm sorry, I I know a couple of trainers and stuff who have done well with. You know, with fighters and they've kind of broke away at the last minute and lost it in paydays, you know, example. So I'm I'm not going to say that Glovkin was wrong and Taylor's wrong and stuff, but um, what it does do, it opens up the chance of that, you know, undisputed fight with Ramirez, and that's what we want. We want the big fights. You know, it was obviously a big question: what's going to happen with Taylor when he when he finishes the tournament and stuff? Is he going to be fighting plodders? Is he going to be getting? Unification fights, but he's getting the opportunity to fight on ESPN for a millions of viewers, and you know the unification fight to be made, as I say. So move up and wait. I mean, I dare say, Sweet T Crawford's waiting on an opponent, and I wouldn't be against seeing him fight uh, Josh Taylor. You know, imagine the atmosphere here in Scotland or in fucking uh, what's he here again? Uh, Idaho, wherever it is that he's from. You know, imagine the atmosphere. It'd be fucking fantastic. I dare say, if you would travel over for it, Nebraska. That's where it he's, is. Nebraska. Uh, hmm. These, these McGuigan allegations are kind of troubling, like, when you consider what happened between McGuigan himself and Eastwood, like, and, like, it's a, such a shame, especially in the Frampton situation where that double act, def, but that double act definitely helped sell Kyle down south, like, you know what I mean? I know he boxed for Ireland in, in, as an amateur and stuff, but it helped, you know, you know, the Irish fans really got behind Kyle Frampton and, you know, McGuigan was padded, like, like McGuigan was as big as the Pope in Ireland in the 80s. Both are not as popular now. <laughs> but, <laughs> <laughs> For unrelated reasons. But like, it's a, yeah, it's just such a pity that McGuigan's legacy is tainted with this now. Like, I know this is another fighter who said they've bro- broken contracts and I don't know, you know, we don't know which side is true, but like, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's tainted him a little bit, to be honest with you, uh, when you see this kind of carry on. See, the thing as well, I mean, again, uh, what kind of sprung a red flag with me? I, dare, I mean, there's people who know more than me about the situation stuff like that. But see, see, see the day or the, or the night that Frampton beat Santa Cruz and the post-fight press conference, somebody asked Carol, 
you know, is there going to be a rematch? Is there a rematch clause or something along those lines? Stuff like that. And Carroll said no. And then Barry chimed in straight away and stuff like, ah, there is. And then Carroll went, oh, is there? So to me, that that was a red flag immediately. And if I was Carroll, I didn't fucking know that. I knew there were problems straight away. I mean, I'm not on the inside. But other people are. But just for me, that was a red flag immediately. And I'd have been fucking asking questions behind the scenes. What the fuck is going on here? Because uh, to me, I didn't think Carroll really knew if there was a rematch clause or not. And just, just that wee reaction was enough for me to kind of start saying, ah, there's something fucking well off here. And in the end... It's uh, they all left in the end. I think mean, he's left with Billum Smith. Carroll left. Josh is left. Cornwad's left. Um, who was there? Somebody else. Um, coming on top of my head. I don't know. Big Stevie Ward and all they guys and stuff like that. But you know. No, there is someone else. I can't think. Andy, didn't they? Oh, who else? Didn't they have a woman at one point? They had a load of fighters Cameron, underneath. Chantel Fanta. Cameron. Chantel Cameron oh, was the other one. Yeah, yeah. They've got Billum Smith. That's the They've only one. Cyclone. And he he lost his last fight as well, was it? Did they know? No, he 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 did was lose. That, was that a British title fight or something? Well, he he's Commonwealth champion now. Right, okay. I knew he lost something recently. Was that a British title fight or something like that? Lost a fight with React Poor. Ah, that's what it was. I think he might have been an eliminator or something like that. I forget. He beat Glover last time, though, didn't he? Craig mm-hmm. Glover. Yeah. What about the Taylor situation, Ozzy? Where do you think he'll land up? Also, uh, sources saying. Billy Joe Saunders going back to Ben Davidson, he's flitting about, maybe Taylor could end up there, who knows? I don't see Taylor going to Davidson, but I, I think a move, a good move for Taylor would be with Dominic Ingle. Uh, I rate Ingle, I think he's good. Um, I think it would particularly help, what's it called, Taylor, because he's quite tight at 140. Um, we know Ingle's clued up on his nutrition, etc., things like that. Um, he's got good fighters in the camp. Uh, Robbie Davis Jr.'s just gone there. Kel Brooks there. So in terms of in-house sparring, uh, it'd be certainly be good for him. And I like what Ingle does. I think he's got experience in on the big stage. Um, his game plans are very good, and I, I think he's one of the best trainers in the country. Um, Taylor's no stranger from being away from home. Um, I, I think McGuigan's Jim are based out, I think they're based out of university now. Um, so in terms of them being miles, it, it's not a problem, you know, with them being away. So I think um, Sheffield, you know, it's still got a city live to it aspect, things like that. And that, for me, that'd be a good move. As for Saunders, he, he's he's a bit of, he's like the class clown, isn't he? Um, I, I mean, he, he's always like Marmite, but he's just, um, he, I think he, he was with Ingle last time out or something like that. For his fight, or he went there for six weeks. Now he's gone back to Ben Davidson. This will bite him on his ass. This chopping and changing. I mean, Saunders is at the age now from where you would say it's safe to say he's probably he's learned all he can, and it's just about sharpening the tools, etc., things like that. But as I've just said about Ingle, I, I really rate him as a trainer, and I don't see why you just chop and change and things like that. But Ingle knew for a fact, um, he said it himself, basically. If Billy decides to turn up and come with me, great. If not, I'm not going to lose any sleep. And I think he takes him with a pinch of salt now. So Saunders is Saunders. He clearly does what he wants. But surely it can't be beneficial when you're potentially eyeing up a fight with Canelo, this chopping and changing constantly with trainers. Uh, But reverting back to Taylor, for me... 
I think Dominic Ingle would be a great move for him. I think the whole setup would be bob on for him. Uh, aside from that, I, I, for me, I, I don't think Jamie Moore will be a brilliant move. I've not really been impressed by him, uh, particularly in the bigger fights. I think if you look at Moore's record in the bigger fights, it's not great. Um, I, and I think Moore has got that. You know, he's the preferred trainer uh, by MTK, as Seamus Macklin was when it first started out, as Danny Vaughan was um, when he had a stage of, you know, a lot of fighters were going to him, and now it's Jamie Moore. Uh, Moore's done good things, don't get me wrong, but I don't see him as, you know, that I wouldn't have come, I've not I've not seen enough of him to like him enough in the bigger fights, whereas I think Ingle has displayed that. And he's been on the right side and the wrong side. Um, of decisions as well. So, you know, he's got the experience from winning and losing. Uh, but it's going to be interesting to see. I, I just hope it doesn't affect Taylor's career from where he's out the ring for, you know, for like 12 months in legal battles. Um, naturally, I don't think he would have left if, you know, there was any sort of problem. He's clearly had lawyers look at this. Lawyers have advised him to to do, you know, yep, you're free to move the contract's void but we've seen this before Ricky Burns with Frank Warren Eddie Hearn said you've nothing to worry about Burns ended up basically switching a load of cash elsewhere and he was declared <laughs> bankrupt didn't he setting up a direct so, debit well, we, yeah, yeah so, I, I remember that clearly by we fucking poor Burns was transferring assets before he could switch a fucking light bulb off man yeah so <laughs> it, it's it's not it's not the first time and, and look if Taylor has done wrong and he has been advised wrong Cyclone are well within their rights because they've got a legally binding contract that says that the the worldwide promoters for him. No, I mean, the problem with Cyclone is, is that they just don't have the funds or finances to promote big shows anymore. It was a blessing in disguise, the Super Series happening for him because they didn't need to pay Josh and they still make cash off Taylor going in that because they'll get a percentage of each uh, purse. Um, they've only got two fighters now. Uh, as I say, um, th there's no connection. Billum Smith from Bournemouth, Taylor's from Scotland. Taylor still, I, I mean, he's not, he's a big name, but I don't think he, he doesn't do bucket loads of tickets at the arenas. They've put him in though, Andy, have they? Or am I right in saying that? He's not, you know, like, they'll put him on in a show and he'll do like five, six, eight thousand tickets, you know, and sell out. I think he's always struggled, you know, because... They're not the shows aren't local to his area, so they not always need to put him in Glasgow or something like that, or Edinburgh, and he's local to Glasgow or something. I think he's from Edinburgh, isn't he? Yeah, is that what it is? Yeah, and I think he's boxed in Glasgow a couple of times, yeah. so he's not had the the joys of you know being able to fight in his in his home area. Um, but but no, for me, Dominic Ingle will be a great move for him. Uh, certainly one to watch. Um, and it depends. He could base himself in America. You know, if he's going to be fighting out there and choose to move out there, then that opens up a whole new um, ballpark in terms of trainers. Or um, he might come over here. Adam Booth is probably another one that could be a, a potential show. Uh, you know, staying in London, uh, training with Booth, that does mean that Shannon Courtney could be on the scene, which would be uh, very upsetting. To see a link with uh, go to Adam Booth. <laughs> yeah, well, we all know who uh, support that, but no, uh, Ingle's my pick, and I think that'd be a great move for Josh. 
Yeah, one of the greatest Cyclone promotions moments was whenever they rebranded to uh, CWM Cyclone. They hooked up with this Forex company called CWM. I think they had sponsorships at the Formula One and Chelsea Football Club. And they become CWM Cyclone. It was all over the billboards and all rebranded for the Chris... Um, I was going to say Chris Aviola, uh, not Aviola, Avalos, Chris Avalos fight, I think it was, and it was going to be, going to take us to the next level, it was a 4X company, it was built on sand, it was like a Ponzi scheme, and then the next fight, CWM had all disappeared again. (laughs) See that that fucking Taylor uh, post all card, that That is why the longest, most boring fucking cards I've ever had the misfortune sit through by the way, and the main event was fantastic, but see the gaps in between fucking fights, oh my fucking word, the shite, and then... Remember that fucking wee Tasmanian guy fucking who fought in the back corner and stuff like that and his, his home country fought uh, Lee McGregor and that. What's his name again? Fucking forget it. There's, as I say, it was the shittiest card. And of course, try to, you know, I was driving, right? So she's trying to fucking maintain Tommy and fucking I try to, a sober nick when it's like a quiet show. Fuck Cyclone, man. Fuck's sake. Arseholes, you fucked me fucking good style that night, but I can't. There you go, CWM Cyclone. Final word to you, Gabe, on this one <laughs> regarding Josh Taylor. Do you think signing with Bob Arum and Top Rank is a good move for him? I expect they're going to try and make the, uh, what do you call your man, Jose, oh, I've gone a blank. What, what's the, the champion? Ramirez. At one f- Ramirez. Ramirez. Maybe make the Jose Ramirez fight with the winner moving up to fight Terence Crawford. You know, they've secured like a future opponent, I think, for Crawford as well, possibly, between Ramirez or Taylor. Yeah, I mean, I, I I think the end goal of top rank bringing these guys in is to build them up a little bit, make a little bit of money off of them, and then throw them to the wolves with the guys that they see as being their bread and butter stars. Um, I mean, Bob Arum and top rank have the ability and the knowledge, I believe, to uh, take any of those guys and make a superstar out of them if they wanted to, but I don't think that's the end goal. I, I just get the feeling – and I'm not really sure why it is. I couldn't put a finger on it and um, really explain to you guys why I feel like that. But I, I think it, it was something just telling me that the main goal, the main end for all of this business is to bring a lot of bigger names uh, over. They've already got a good record. They've already got a solid fan base. They've already got a lot of things that they're bringing in tow with them. And uh, they can bring those guys over and then – let top ranks big dogs, if you will, fight them and hopefully win and use them as as a boost for their guys that they already have, like your Jose Ramirez, um, so on and so forth. I personally don't feel like that needs to happen um, in terms of bringing these other guys in to do that uh, because I like I like a lot of the guys that that they bring over, uh, Josh Taylor. Um, I'm not a big fan of Carl Frampton, but I can see the value of bringing him over and 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 um, just letting him finish up his career in a good way. Uh, but I, I just don't see that. I feel like the end goal at this point is to bring him over, use him as fodder for the big guns, and try to make bigger names for uh, the guys that they already have. It feels like top rank in general has a, a bit of a shortage in a lot of divisions in terms of having a lot of really competitive matchups which has always been kind of one of their fortes in terms of, of what they do. Top Rank's always been a group that's had the ability to pretty much do whatever they want because they've had plenty of their own guys in-house. And uh, they, it seems like in some divisions they don't have that at this point. Um, 
And so I feel like that's their their method to do that. Right, Gabe, let's move on. We'll be going on to Belly of the Week shortly and out of here for episode 355. Ooh. Big return in 2020 after our weekends off for the last three weeks or so. Let's have a look. I'm not going to, we're not talking about any of these shows. I'm just going to mention them next Saturday evening. Uh, ESPN have another one, ESPN Plus. Elido Alvarez going in against Michael Seals. Pretty run of the mill stuff there. Dion Juma against Sam Hyde for the English Cruiserweight title is next Sunday over in Withenshaw. Also, Sebastian Formella, undefeated 21-0 welterweight in Germany. Could be one to keep an eye on. Going in against 18-1, Roberto Ariazza. Shout out to the IBO title, which is on the line there. Love a good IBO title myself. Uh, a few of the guys mentioning things there in the chat. Feel free to speak about that in a minute if you wish. First of all, going back to 2019, won't spend an awful lot of time on this. We're not going to do the usual stuff about going through a whole big list of knockout of the year and contender of the year. I don't think anybody can be bothered. I know I sure as hell can't. Back on this episode 355. Uh, everyone's personal L of the year. I want that at the end of this segment. So something that you fucked up on an episode, uh, sorry, in 2019. Maybe it was a bad prediction or something that you come up with that just turned out to be complete bullshit. Personal L of the year. Have a good think about that. First of all, though, Andy, I'll go to you. Manny Pacquiao, he had a good 2019. Boxed on pay-per-view against Keith Thurman and Adrian Broner. The legend continues. Really strong year for Pacquiao, nonetheless. Yeah, Pacquiao, we... I think cut put up a wee comment there. I think he's what uh, four decades now hard running that he's held a world title or you know world bobble. Um, it's not to be sniffed at actually. And um, the guys, he's, the guys that he's fighting, you know, it might not be elite or A level and that, but you know, end of the day, these these are the guys we were told were supposed to be, you know, the next generation. Keith Furman, Adrian Broner, and that you know, well, everybody knows how I think about Broner and how I killed his career and stuff like that, but. He's dominated these guys, and again, his, his place in Canton is absolutely guaranteed whenever he chucks it. Five years later, he's going to get the fucking first ballot without question. Rapping Rob Kelly, uh, a lot of TV have disappeared, the likes of HBO, that was the year before. ESPN Plus has come to the fore. What about DAZN? I've gone through a list of some of the best fights DAZN put on in 2019. We've got Andrew Cancio, Alberto Machado, Costa Soto, Roman against Dehaney, White against Rivas, Canelo Jacobs, Canelo Kovalev, uh, Wangek against Estrada too. There's quite a lot, actually. Is DAZN on the rise, Rob? Is it achieving its objectives? Will it be here for the long term? Don't know, I don't know, isn't it? It's not great, like is it? There's all um the coverage or something. I don't know, there is something to be said about the production value, unless you're one of our listeners and you're complaining about us in that case, go fuck yourselves. But um in terms of sports broadcasting, there's definitely um there's definitely something to be said about production value and the zone it just doesn't fucking like me firing commentators of shite. Um and that really that's really off putting like uh, although they did give us Rui's Joshua, so that was a that was a massive moment for 2019, probably the biggest moment in in, in the sport for the year. So they gave us that. Like I guess, they, if it's a, is it on the rise? Do I give a shit, Steve? I don't. I don't think I do. Um, don't care if it's on the rise or not. It makes no difference to me. Um, but yeah, a big L of the year was when I got, and it was L now because I can't remember which is which. But two British flight fighters. I got him confused and I think I thought one of them was Terry Flanagan he was going in to get someone and I was like no I think he might stop him and everyone was like what? and then I was like weeks later I copped on that I was talking about the wrong guy like so uh, as you know I don't pay much attention to the domestic scene so big L for me there like Lamont Coleman 
Big L for Rob. One of many, no doubt. We'll try and dig out a few more before the evening is finished. One of, one of many. He says Wellings is a fucking assassin there. Look at that. One of many. One of many. Thanks, Wellings. <laughs> That's why I've got the red uh, hot mic, Rob, to grill you. <laughs> Bean. <laughs> Bean. Bean, indeed. Ask, ask him, uh, yeah, ask him about what happened at Park. Yeah, that's another L for him. <laughs> oh, he had to go there, didn't he? Got he? Oh, he got me. That He's been to get me once in fucking 10 years. That's all right. I'll take that. You're fucking right. I'm all. Oh, take anything. He's going by. Oh, he was raging. That was the first one in ages. I was actually fucking raging. I was like, Pat, listen. He's gone. And I was like, thank fuck God. It's not after the I escaped him. But oh, he brought it back. Yeah, fair play. I have to take the L on that one. <laughs> Fucker. <laughs> yeah, some big L's flying about in the chat as well. TFEMO Stevens says, take aims. That was Hater Dave came off with that one. Hi God Plodder says, Sky Sports Boxing took the biggest L in 2019. I liked how Adam Smith, which I think is a value of the week, came out and said, what a great year they'd had. And they'd had all these millions of views for oh, KSI against Logan really. Paul. Say what you want about Adam Smith. He's a boxing man. He's been around the game for a long time. He knows he's tweeting out shit. That's a corporate tweet. He knows that it's not true. Absolutely, Andy. Uh, what about you then? Anthony Joshua versus Andy Ruiz. Rob mentioned it there. Huge upset. One of the biggest upsets of recent yeah. generations, if not all time. I'm not understating it. The amount of money that was pumped into Joshua. He was not expected to go over to New York. Flagship for the DAZN channel as well. And lose to Andy Ruiz. This is one of my personal L's. I thought he was going to beat Ruiz's fat ass around the ring. And then in the rematch, I thought Ruiz was going to then beat his ass again around the ring. So double L from AJ for me. Yeah, that's my personal L. <laughs> well, yeah, because I, I'm thinking double L on that one as well, because I think I say that afterwards, and I mean, t- f- for a guy to come in, what was he, fourth, fifth choice, uh, <laughs> and then upset the odds like that, I mean, it's incredible, and that, I, I said it before the first fight, and I, I mentioned it on the show after the fight and that as well, is, you know, there's like only one chance you can give him, and it's fucking no chance, right? and he goes out and fucking does the business, and then I defend him to help because I've I, I seen some fucking videos that he's, he's working in the vertical commas hard in the gym right, for, for the rematch and I'm fucking defending him saying like oh he's got on the scales there with the fucking jeans the tank top and the sombrero probably wear ankle weights with some change in the pockets and stuff like that his phone add them the pounds and stuff like that 296 pounds is all the <laughs> bullshit I, I think he's at least 10 pounds lighter than that 15 pounds lighter than that lo and behold he's fucking jack he phoned that in man made a complete cunt to everybody so he made a complete cunt to us all before the fucking first fight he made a double cunt to us all after the second fight so that's my that's my two L's for the for the 2019 that's fucking incredible man it, it's one of the greatest moments in heavyweight history and it will always go down as one of the great upsets uh, probably the next 20 years will always be revisited and stuff like that it'll got me with Tyson oh, yeah. But to dial it in like you fucking did, man. Fuck you. Big L for me as well that night. I was so excited. <laughs> I was so excited. I I started, thought I was talking, comment, live commentating into the group chat um, about the fight because I was up watching it. It was unfolding in front of my eyes and I was sending it all to some rapper instead of yous. <laughs> <laughs> fucking idiot. You know what the fuck I was talking about? <laughs> Uh, Ozzy, what about you? Tell us about your L's. But first of all, some great fights last year. What was your fight of the year? Josh Taylor, Regis Progray got a good mention over on the facebook.com forward slash boxing asylum. Inua against Donair. A few of the boys threw in a few other ones as well. But Toby Hines, Ozzy, says nothing can trump the pleasure of Edward and Barry's faces at ringside as Ruiz bounced AJ around the ring. That was a good one, wasn't it? Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, that was uh, that was a good one. It was certainly a massive upset as well, and I think the faces of Edwin and, uh, and Barry will uh, will never be forgotten as they saw their uh, cash cab beaten up in complete shock. Um, I'm trying to think of an L because I've had plenty, but when it comes to thinking of them, I haven't got a clue. L uh, for us for that night because. If you thought what we did on the Monday was brutal, if we could have got on Sunday, oh, if we could have got on Sunday. Oh, yeah. Oh, I forgot about that. YouTube was against the ice, didn't we? We should have used StreamYard that night. <laughs> oh, yeah, we should have used just Why were you StreamYard, boomers? <laughs> didn't we enter into 2019 being banned as well? Because we got banned in the October, yeah. didn't we, of 18? Yeah, we did, yeah. <laughs> Too hard for YouTube, we are. She, she was fine. <laughs> then they kicked us off anyway, so fuck us. <laughs> well, one will have to be for. Um, I thought Richard Comey would do what's it called? It'd uh, cause problems for Lopez, and he got absolutely yeah. hard about a round and a half. Yeah, so, uh, yeah. You've just got to hold your hand up and say, yeah, fair dues. Um, I'm trying to think of any others. What have, well, while you do, Ozzy, I'll throw a few in for you. Jason Chukwu says, L for Spencer Fearon getting sacked by Sky for saying too much. Back on Facebook, Connor Brennan yes. says, Donair versus Inoue was special for me, but the funniest moment was when Wilder accidentally knocked out the mascot on Mexican national TV. Oh, uh, John, yeah. Heaton, John Heaton mentions yeah. Al Bernstein's seven-year anal recommendation as well. Yeah, so that's what Donny got that for. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Tony's just fucking told us that he's done it. <laughs> do you remember that? Do you remember that Wilder one? He punched that mascot and then said, "I yeah. didn't think anybody would be in the costume." <laughs> what the fuck would it be then? <laughs> and he broke R two D two. He thinks it's the fucking robot from Rocky Four. Hey, Polly. <laughs> 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 It's like fucking the uh, Mario Brothers. Yeah, probably that's what it was as well. A bit of that as well. Fuck it. <laughs> yeah, a few more, few more boys here. Uh, Stuart Wheeler saying Donair in UA Taylor Progray. Ramirez is lethal finishing on Maurice Hooker. That was a good fight, actually. Ramirez against Hooker. Nelson Richards says Sam Maxwell knocking out Sabri Sadiri. What a comeback. Uh, Simon Alevi, the last six rounds of Inair Don, uh, Inouye in versus Donair. Uh, everything right with the sport from a promotional sense. Uh, Gary Lockwood says Taylor versus Progray as well. Quite a lot of shirts for Taylor versus Progray, was Yeah, great fight. Uh, big shout out to the World Boxing Super Series for essentially making that happen. Um, enjoyable, probably, as you say, it's, it's on people's uh, fight of the year's fight of the year um, list for a reason uh, in a way Donair without a doubt was unbelievable more so from the Donair perspective I for one I didn't think um, he really stood a chance and I thought he would, he'd be done in two or three rounds so yeah that's another L for me um, but at the same time what a commendable effort it was from Donair and like you say he fucking asked questions that fight and he landed some big big shots himself and who knows, you know, a couple of years younger and things like that, he, he may well have pulled through and potentially finished off in a way. Um, and that would have been a bloody upset. But, but no, those two fights were excellent. I'm trying to think of ones now. It, it's difficult to think, you know, off the top of mm. your head um, in terms of... I mean, Spence, Spence Porter 
Spence Porter was a great one. And yeah. Spence, Spence versus Spence in the Ferrari. <laughs> Spence versus Gravity. <laughs> <laughs> Gravity 1-0. <one> <laughs> remind, me, remind me for value the week to come to PBC, by the way. Yeah, remind me too. Me. Crawford, 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 dog, Crawford dog in that arse on Twitter, man. That's just fucking brilliant. <laughs> Any other boys want to throw in? Uh, what? Bellews? No, um, just men- moments from 2019. I know it's not been as structured as we usually do it, but just it was about having a laugh, really. I didn't want to have everybody caught with lists and all that shit. Uh, highlight, has to be, highlight has to be the Monday where we, got, where we finally got to comment. On no. AJ Ruiz, oh, that was the, to me. That was the best. And uh, mm. was Usyk brilliant? No, that was the end of the last year, wasn't it? Was Usyk, yeah, that was eighteen. Uh, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. We'll never forget. Oh, brilliant! <laughs> Absolute scenes. Oh, man. I saw a big, a big one for this year. It's got to be Fitz knocking out. Uh, um, oh, Boy, Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. CBD killer. And then, and then, how about any contender for this year for a uh, for, for or for this decade by Fowler saying that uh, a rematch he'd be fancy in Deepdale? The fucking <laughs> entitlement of these assholes. Fuck off. They could do it at half time, couldn't they? Versus Preston versus Mansfield or something. They could. They could I know. <laughs> sneak them I in. know what they should do. They should call Clarissa Shields. Get <laughs> <laughs> yeah, somebody to punch fuck at the trainers or something. Like that. uh, that'll do. She's the she's the real ticket seller in the sport. We know who to call. Who you gonna call? Uh, Ghostbusters. Right, brother, boys, baby. we'll move on. Uh, any others? Throw them in the chat, and I'll I'll send them. Uh, I'll, <laughs> move on, I'll, I'll Ghostbusters, Steve. <laughs> <laughs> I'll call them out at the end of the show. I'll call them out at the end of the show. If you have any more, put them in the chat. Uh, episode 355. Let's move on to Belly of the Weeks. Ozzy's still with yes. us. So is Gabe, Andy, and Rob. Quite a few. Yeah, people have been sending them in all over Christmas. So if I miss any, well, uh, who cares, really? If I miss any, that's the way it goes. You know what I mean? Sometimes people send me these Belly of the Weeks and you read it and you have to get the context. You have to, like, flick up, like, loads of a thread and stuff. To be honest, lads, yeah. sort of started dropping them ones. You know what I mean? Unless it sort yeah. of fits on one page. It's not really what we want because it doesn't uh, lend itself to the audio medium, you know, to read them out like that. So I've had to drop a few. Anyway, Danny Robson sent the first one. You've got to read like eight tweets before you get to the punchline, you know. Ah, exactly. And by the time you get there, you're sort of working out who said what and all that. It doesn't doesn't really work. So apologies if I've dropped any that I shouldn't have done. Uh, Danny Robson said, name and shame, James Kinney. The judge from last night, Jesse yes. Hart, giving him the 95-94 win. Disgraceful, we all agree on that one. Uh, Iceman Scully, I didn't watch the fight last night, but just from here, Showtime Boxing should be ashamed of themselves for daring to pass this off at Dougie Fisher. Of course, they're talking about uh, Clarissa Shields, titles in three different divisions, fewest fights up against the likes of Tanaka, Lomachenko, Fujioka, all those boys, Anthony at Ant Lydon, 100 as recommended that one for Belly of the Week. Uh, Dominic has nominated Lance Pugmire. Jose Ramirez, the Athletics Boxing Person of the Year for his persistent work to improve the lives of Central Californian farmers. It isn't about the life of partying like Josh Taylor. He's a devout blah, blah, blah. He then went to laying on Josh Taylor while nominating Ramirez for the Athletics Boxing Person of the Year. Oh, nominated see, for that see one. See that guy, man. I mean, see for a proper journalist, right, to come out and say... Uh, I'll take Ramirez, know the person that's been in police custody. I'm like, dude, you know, you're a proper mm. journalist. People subscribe to your bullshit or subscribe to your work. You got quite a fucking big profile. That was about like Dan Raphael dogging David Hay. 
uh, pulling out against Vladimir Klitschko all the times and stuff like that. I, I remember that clearly as well. He was dogging the on Twitter the day of the fight. Don't pull it now. There's heavy, heavy brain forecast and all that sort of shit. It's just like, you know, leave it to the likes of us to fucking dog them. You're fucking meant to be a proper guy with all the proper sources and stuff like that. Okay, so just fucking leave that shit to us. I just thought that was weird. Absolutely. Lance We're the real doggers. nominated. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Rob, literally out dogging on a Sunday evening. <laughs> You're going for Joe, baby. <laughs> Sean Steve has nominated Joe Selkirk, once a prospect. Selkirk now says, corrupt slag police, backward politicians, nonces, terrorists, them horrible wild animal killers, the freaks who think they're not a boy or a girl can all go to fuck. I'm not watching any more documentaries this year, says Joe Selkirk. I don't know what happened to his boxing career, but he's having a great time over on Twitter anyway. Prince Patel has been nominated... Not sure who's nominated him. I think it was Declan Graffin, actually. Prince Patel tweeted out, I got awarded knockout of the year for 2019. If given a fair chance and I let my hands go, I would be knocking out guys violently on TV. Well, this was the UBO 2019 (laughs) knockout of the year. And the last time he got an opportunity, Rob, on Channel 5, he lost nearly every round against that Colombian fella. So basically, Patel is talking shit again. It's a conspiracy against the man. They don't want to see the Pan-African champion shine, you know what I mean? You know, I, 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 I hate to bring up tragic because, you know, tragic usually kind of terms like a child's got cancer or someone's been killed by a car, but that was fucking tragic that they, they did with that fucking Prince Patel, by the way. That guy's career is an absolute fucking charm. You know, fuck's sake, go look at it. It's just an absolute fucking mess. Well, he tweeted in Eddie Hearns, so you never know, he might be appearing. Very That's a venue near yeah, you. Fucking stupid. <laughs> fucking can I be, man? I, I might send him out for a list. I know Eddie. I, I, well, hang on. Eddie might make him he again. Can't say we're home. He can't. Exactly. Can't say we're home. Quarter Kogan caves his head in. Can't say we're home. Kogan's a dangerous man. Cave his head in. You're fucking heading. They could put him against Coogan on. They've put friggin' worse comedy fights over the last few years. They could stick that on, couldn't they? Like a YouTuber's scrap. There you go. Well, they've got Make it happen. got a few coming up. Oh, no, yeah, there's another one coming up on the 30th of January, isn't there? There's another Bellew of the Week coming up as well from Barry White. Nominated Nick Walsh, who said, David Allen versus Tony Bellew, 2020. Nice big payday for you, Dave, and you'd smash him. Yeah, everyone wants to see that. Uh, Marshy Lee. Boxing Brave has nominated Gareth A. Davis. Come on, Eddie Hearn, get Special K Brook, a huge £154 world title fight in the USA in 2020. Kel talking to me about this now on Talk Sport. What is this shit, says Boxing Brave? Wasn't Brook a mandatory for one of Hurd's titles when he was a champion? Yeah, they also said he was the best fighter at 154 as well. Don't believe what you hear. Nick Pete, he's from a rival podcast, has been tweeting out to Tony Bellew, reminiscing of the time Bellew beat Macabu over in Goodison Park. Great night, that was. Uh, Mark Jules has put out his wish list to Eddie Hearn for 2020. He's been nominated from Ryan Younger. My wish list for 2020. Number one, Dillian White gets a WBC title shot. Number two, Anthony Joshua versus Pulev. Number three, Joseph Parker versus Usyk. Number four, Anthony Fowler versus Fitz at Preston North End. Get on it, everybody. Number five, <laughs> Callum Smith versus Canelo. And number six, Billy Joe Saunders versus Triple G. That's a good list there, Andy. He, he, his uh, wish list for 2020. He doesn't ask for much, this fella. Joshua against Pulev. Flip me. <laughs> what the fuck do you want to see that for? That's, 
that's a fucking basically a mandatory keep busy fight for someone who's supposed to be in the top three division. Fucking Pulev. I mean, fucking, I watched his fight with that. They got, who was the fucking guy that he, he got badly cut and he, he tried to winch your ass off the fucking interviewer? Um, forget oh, um, who it was. Bogdan Dino. Big Bogdan Dino. Yeah, that's who it was. I watched that fight. <laughs> I mean, I tell, you, I tell you what, I like that fight actually. I think Pulev might bring it because it's, it's probably it's definitely his last chance. And. He's a bit crazy as well, but as, again, it's going to depend on what Joshua turns up as well. If he's, it's, going to, it's going to be the, the shitty scared one that fought Andy Ruiz the second time. Um, Joshua won it. I'm bummed stop him late and stuff. But aye, that fight is nowhere near my fucking wish list any fucking time in this life or the fucking next life. What was the other ones that he picked? Uh, one there, uh, he, he wanted Dillian White to get a world title shot and he wants Anthony Fowler against Fitz at Preston North End. Right, that that is a guy who is clearly a matchroom supporter. It's probably fucking names Dave be fucking like two, three, seven, five, nine, one, five after his fucking user tag as well. Fucking bot. <laughs> Block the bots. Mark Lovell has nominated former Australian heavyweight champion, Commonwealth challenger, uh, Big Bob Mirovich. Carl Froch talks about flat Earth. Bob Mirovich is asking questions about world population. He doesn't believe there's seven billion on the planet. He's putting up graphs as well. <laughs> Bob Mirovich keeping himself busy since he retired. We had another one actually coming from someone. I think it was Jed Kleemer nominating Chris Eubank Jr. I'm just reading this off the top of my head for getting his hair cut, even though he has like a tattooed hairdo or something. We're nominating for that anyway. It's in Connor Ben beard territory. We're always a big fan of that. Uh, Vegas Matty has been nominated by Matt Simpson 89 over on Twitter. Shout out to Floyd Mayweather, says Vegas Matty, for being nice to me earlier today when I was snapping a photo of him. Won't say where it was, but he politely asked me to delete it, and I put, obviously obliged. Thanks for not punching me in the face, champ. So does anybody want to guess where... <laughs> we haven't got the answer. Anyone want to guess where Floyd Mayweather was when Vegas Matty took a photo of him? Enough for Floyd to go over and say... Would you mind deleting that, please? And Vegas Matty said, yes, of course I will. I wonder where Floyd was. Wouldn't it be interesting to speculate <laughs> what establishment he was taking Who part knows? in? Well, where do you think Floyd was, eh? Who knows where Floyd is, uh, the guy who said this. Having, as Tayabu said, having one woman is having, like, no women. So he could have been <laughs> in one of his yeah, establishments that he frequents. He's given away iPhones like madman. You want to get on that Instagram? He's fucking flying iPhones out of it and five hundred dollar cash donations for following social media outlets, which is definitely not some kind of pyramid scheme uh, that he's working on now for cash. Like he's a fucking madhead, isn't he? Like absolutely. An evening with Yusuf Mack was going on at the Tropicana. Not saying anything. Not saying anything. <laughs> <laughs> Who let the dogs out? <laughs> Leave it in the my ring. Ass and call me Bobby. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I shout out to Devin Alexander. I was trying to get him on the pod, but friggin' hell. I think we'll just leave that one there. Oh, uh, Box Hard Podcast. <laughs> yeah, my God. Box Hard Podcast has nominated Michael Buffer. Sharon Stone was apparently tweeting out saying that someone kicked <laughs> off some dating app. Michael Buffer jumped in and said, Sharon, don't worry about it, as I have the perfect date for you. My brother, Bruce Buffer. He's handsome, famous, intelligent, travelled, witty, worldly, athletic, well-off financially, perfect age for you, and available. Just Google him for info and history. At Bruce Buffer, hashtag it's time. Who the hell is running this Buffer account? <laughs> what the frig? Absolutely By the bizarre. Way, can I just say something? 
about Sharon Stone. If Sharon Stone needs to go on a fucking dating app to get her hole, there's something <laughs> fucking far wrong. Because I'm telling you right now, right? Any woman can go down to any local pub and say, I need my cavity filled. Come and see me right now. And I'm telling you right now, there'll be fucking queues at the door if Sharon Stone won't <laughs> and asking for that, baby. Without question. Right? I'm fucking telling you, she's on my laminated list that the wife's got, by the way, so fucking... Come on, get a crap. Why are you on the fucking dating app for? That's it. Well, so he's obviously on Twitter then as well, and you get her the fucking... You know what I mean? He's trying to slide in the DM, baby. The fucking yeah, laminated well, list on, is the laminated list. Aye. Michelle <laughs> Pfeiffer. Daryl Hannah. Our era. Sharon. <laughs> Sharon Hands of Stone. See them fuckers see them fuckers as well, right? When they're talking about who runs accounts. You know them fellas with the like the name and then the like twelve letters as Andy says, like or the twelve fucking numbers like and they're saying like well how do you know I am a troll? Because you fucking only tweet the people on this podcast. So obviously Aye. somewhere down the line you've been infuriated enough by our opinions they thought I'd get these fellas I'll <laughs> sign up with a fake account and I'll tweet all six of them Fuck they've only got off. they've only got some like, like, like 20 tweets in like fucking 4 yeah. years and stuff like that and they're all know. that fucking Tommy or fucking Ozzy or someone like will you piss off will you fuck's sake and they think it's fucking cool to call you like a nonce and a fucking all, all this stuff that That's it was like it was Dated ten years ago. You know, but Twitter's a, you know, we're all big boys and all like, but fucking hell, like, how do you know I am fucking shut up? Shout out to the listeners. Guy Griffiths has nominated Sky Sports for putting Katie Taylor <laughs> at number twelve in the sports person of the decade. Excuse me, Katie Taylor coming in there. Oh, here we go. Adam Smith, Andy. What a year it's been for boxing on Sky Sports. Rounded off with AJ regaining the heavyweight title. We also reached new audiences with over 28 million views of KSI versus Logan Paul on Sky Sports' YouTube, Twitter and Instagram channels. Bring on 2020. Shuey MC said it's been absolutely shite, Adam. The worst year for a long, long time. So basically, Smith has got to a point now where he's saying we've got 20 million views of KSI versus Logan on our YouTube, Twitter and Instagram channels i mean come on yeah well good for you who gives a shit about that we don't care about that like good for you, Did you see spy. richie garner Did you see oh, richie garner's tweet to him by the way no but your friend the show he says adam i'm a, a british border control trainer and manager i pay for sky sports as my chosen second profession i feel i must but will honestly say i feel mugged off by the shite that sky delivered in 2019 <laughs> Pay-per-view is a con, and hardly anything trickles down to low level. Your tweet is bullshit, and you know it. Oh, brilliant. Here we go. Good old Bean himself. Well, seems right, yeah, nomination. Though, isn't he? Yeah, we got... Congratulations to us. We did so well on Instagram. Well, fuck off. Like, why, what's that got to do with Drop the fights? fucking stealth skin. Tommy has been nominated by Judas. I'd love to take a dig off Wilder, says Tommy, just to see what it feels like. Well, he should get himself into one of them costumes, shouldn't he? Wouldn't, li- wouldn't like to know when it was coming, because I'd probably <laughs> crack him first. But close the eyes and just might, take one in time. Put, <laughs> he, he might put the missus inside one of them costumes yet. <laughs> oh, Miss Tommy, man. If he could pick a shot, Rob, what what shot would he ask for the uh, for it to land on the list? <laughs> I'm not going to say enough already. Fucking <laughs> 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 porridge shot. 
was going to say, yeah, I don't think you'd be one to the head. Shot a <laughs> Kane Gibson in the chat says, God forbid Wilder ever goes to Disneyland. <laughs> oh, bodies getting laid to waste of aeroplanes. <laughs> Mickey Mouse sparked out. Ain't nobody inside of these. Bomb squad. <laughs> Mickey, Mouse. Mickey Mouse got flying. <laughs> Shoot team. Seal Team 6 is called and somebody's shouting bombs called in the fucking Disney world. <laughs> Do I freaking children in need? Left hook's Pudsy. <laughs> Pudsy got around with two, two fucking uh, bandages. I had two bandages over the eyes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Oh, man. Oh, excuse me. Let's get yourself together. Uh, Matthew J. Hunter has been nominated by JS Park 10. So many white boxing fans, especially UK white fans, hate black boxers like Clarissa Shields. See it every day on social media, and anytime I do a video on her, hashtag boxing nomination. We've said our piece on that, haven't we? I think we'll move on. Here's a great fight for next year. What about this then, Ozzy? Pro boxing fans have said they want their 2020 fantasy fights. Dave Allen and Lenroy Thomas have shared two battles together, with the second cut short by a nasty head clash. Will we see a third fight between the pair this year? So have you thought Mark Yules's list was bad? Pro boxing fans, Ozzy, are demanding a fantasy fight between Dave Allen and Lenroy Thomas. I don't even know what to say to that. Man, I didn't ask him for that. Of all the fights in the world, you want fucking Allen Thomas 3. The first fight was horrendous. The second fight ended on a cut, which was the best thing that could have happened. We definitely don't want to see a third. Fucking hell. Yeah, it's not happening. Dan. Dan with three ends nominated that one. Uh, Trading Leather Boxing alerted me to this from Dick Hercules. Jimmy Lennon Jr. out there almost getting his ass cancelled. Hashtag me too. Jimmy Lennon's not very woke. During the women's fight, he said, our third man in the ring. And then he suddenly caught himself that Benji Estevez was in fact <laughs> refereeing a fight between two women. Nearly got his ass cancelled. You can get sacked for less these days, Jimmy. You need to be careful. Uh, Franny550 was nominated Daniela Westbrook. Loving life, to be honest. Thanks to Anthony Fowler. Can't believe the change in my anxiety levels since Ant hooked me up with some CBD. I'd say getting back on the drug gateway is exactly what Westbrook needs. So good luck to her with that. You can get some CBD so you can have a great left hook to give fellas a nose like Daniela Westbrook. <laughs> <laughs> Trademark that, Rob, because that's going far, though. That's an oldie for a goodie, that one. <laughs> the old Brian Rose knows. Uh, William Lee has nominated WBC for talking about integrity. Our year is all about integrity, says Mauricio. And then he put up a picture, did William, of the McGregor Mayweather belt. Uh, Andy, this is a good one from you, nominating Tony Bellew. Kel Brook needs a big fight, says Bellew. Yeah. I'd like to see him fight Liam Smith. Oh, I mean, the bants, man. Just, you know, big fights. Uh, who can I think of a big fight? Liam Smith, my scouse brother. Get the fuck out of here, man. Liam Smith. Hey, it's a big to, fight to, with Kel Brook. To be fair, I don't think that's the worst. I don't think Smith-Brook at this stage of Brook's career would be horrendous. I, yeah, I know, but a big fight, fight, come on. Yeah, yeah, but I don't think it's the worst. I won't say it's a big fight as what we'd allude to as a big fight, but I certainly wouldn't be disappointed if that was made. 
playing devil's advocate. But yeah, it's not a big fight as in a, a world title shot or a, a calm fight or something like that. I know. It says more about Brooke, I suppose, where his career has disappeared off to. That's all yeah, the ones that, I've got. That, exactly, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, any nominations, guys? Gabe, first of all, any nominations from you? Ooh, I've got a few. Oh, there's so many. Anybody that's been a fuckhead about Clarissa Shields can get nominated and win for me. It could be any of them, all of them. Fucking, can we give a million values of the week? Might have to this week. Um, uh, yeah, Ozzy, any nominations from you? I want to keep Andy on toast here. He's starting ready to burst. Uh, nothing from me. Okay, so what about you, Rob? Uh, yeah, just for the PBC, they did a little segment with Andre Berto, I think, and Keith Thurman. And, uh, they were talking about they were talking about Errol <laughs> Spence's potential comeback. First of all, they completely ignored Crawford, so they're doing it just to piss him off at this stage, like because Crawford didn't get a mention. But they talked about potentially Danny Garcia or Keith Thurman himself or a, a rebuild fight, like or going straight into a fight with uh, Porter or whoever the fuck is the top dog on the PBC, right? And meanwhile, they just start showing that clip again of the car coming down the road for like 50 <laughs> seconds. So the, the clip is like one minute and 40 seconds and for 50 seconds, the fucking <laughs> car is flipping down the street. They just keep showing it on a reel. Like, it's hilarious. They're not letting that crash go. Poor Errol, like, suffering from fucking PA. He'll be back on the sauce, well. man. He'll be back I on the sauce at all well. times. Don't leave him alone. I tweeted them saying, listen guys, thanks for reposting that video up, but I still kind of see where they ejected the fucking roof, can you help me out? <laughs> yeah, can, we get, can we try to get a different angle from across the street, please? Freedom of information. Just tell me where he landed, just put a fucking arrow somewhere. He landed here. That's what I know, that's all. Don't ask him too much. Yeah, talking talking to PBC, I don't know which card this was on. I'm trying to frantically bring this one up, Andy. Um, oh, you sent it earlier. It was on the Mungia O'Sullivan undercard, the women's fight. The one woman's hair starts to come off. Uh, it was a fucking uh, witch's the, the, the trainer says, don't worry about your weave, worry about the belt or something like that. You can probably tell it better than me. <laughs> so, so fuck, well, I have to, I've seen the video, so she's got this gold mane on her fucking head, right? And it's, she's maybe got a hairband on her as well at the same time, but something happened. And the fucking thing started to lift off, and basically she's got she's got the B brackets fucking mohawk underneath it. So they're like, well, he take it off you for fuck's sake? So they just fucking ripped it off her. It's a bit like polyvinyl and that game with the fucking hair dude. Yeah, I get to love more and do when they had to cut his hair off. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's fucking brilliant. <coughs> oh, stupid fucking bitch. Oh, that's a good one, man. I don't know what the girl's name is. You, you got any more for us? Yeah, I've got one. Um, I, did I mention about the the lawyer who was prosecuting Broner in the court for that sex attack? No. Please tell me oh, that. Oh, and I, AB. Yeah, come back to AB if, on that. Actually, if I hadn't, if I hadn't, then I'm fucking putting it up again. Anyway, so the prosecutor was, uh, or the the plaintiff of the attorney was Ashley Case Slipvold, said in a statement after the suit was filed, right, and I quote. While we may never know why Mr. Broner decided to walk up to a perfect stranger and attack her, we do know 
He did a better better job keeping his hands to himself during the Pacquiao fight than he did at Park Social with my client. In the same court case, Adrian Brunner was ordered to pay over £800,000 sorry, $800,000 to a sexual assault victim. You fucking mug. That's a fucking, that's a paycheck for him, by the way. I could just, I don't think he was in court for it, but can you imagine him sitting there in court like that, just saying, yeah, you got me there. He caught me there. I kept my hands to myself against Pacquiao. He go fucking clowned off Pacquiao. I'm like, he did it for the hood as well, you know. Fuck me, Jesus Christ, man. A B, absolute prick. Well, it gets worse yeah. for him. It gets worse for him because remember the little girl from Doctor Phil that said, "Catch me outside." How about oh, that? Oh, aye. Yeah, aye. but she went. She went on to become a rapper called Bad Barbie, and she's got like a million dollar contract, ten million dollar contract or something, and she's doing all this bullshit rap or whatever. But. Who slid in the DMs, baby? Only AB saying, text me, crazy girl. And then she screenshotted it, didn't she? And she's like a grown man is trying to get into me fucking messages here. What's going on? Like, And then the whole Twitter and everyone slid in him. And then Broder defended himself and said, don't know what it, don't nobody want to date no kid, but I thought she grown the way she act. So <laughs> that sounded like the, the classic uh, defense. Chris, Chris Hansen walks into the fucking room like, hey, take a seat. Yeah, I thought she was growing. Did he go on to say, now then, now then? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. It's, got, it's just, you know, the inevitable spin, downward spin for AB continues. Um, I want to yeah, the, guy, the guys in the chat there, are, Andy, the guys in the chat are asking after the girl, apparently. Uh, the girl with the fine head of hair is a certain Franchon Cruz Desern. So go and look her up on Boxrec. She's six and two, and she indeed has a fine head of hair. Hi. Well, I want to see the fucking hairs like down below because it's fucking probably mare which she's got on top. <laughs> um, I saw so I got I got I got one mare. So basically, remember, hey, Terence Crawford for dogging the life out of Errol Spence on Twitter, and people are losing their fucking minds. Oh, dude, fucking fights are made made in the in in the boardroom. You, you know, you're you're disrespectful. People were moaning like fuck actually that that Crawford kept himself to himself. Now he's fucking talking trash. They're fucking raging about it. Get the fuck out of here, man. What you want? He comes out and, and he starts slagging off. Uh, we baby G. Fucking Davis, be Tank Davis saying as you know, Tank Davis fought a 38 out of prime fighter with a torn Achilles and barely knocked him out. He says Gamboa haven't hasn't fought a meaningful fight since me in 2014, and after that he was stopped by a guy with 12 losses. And you're all out there making it seem, seem like it's something spectacular for knocking out the likes of Gamboa. So uh, and of course we BBG couldn't fucking help himself but react. But then it was a, it was a Crawford. It was a Crawford tweets that really kind of like sunk it home to me. That that guy's fucking everything that you read about. He is a proper badass, and I'm a I'm a fan of his life now actually because even though he came to Scotland and done the business and stuff, but just the way he goes about it and his two sons are like wrestling champions. He fucking posted a picture up with him and his two sons and stuff like with fucking gold medals of the night and that they won some sort of freeweight wrestling tournament. So he's fucking breeding some fucking badass. Sons as well, and, so uh, and he's watch. an example. He's an example of how to live his life outside the ring. Like, yo, know, yeah. uh, all he does is train. He's on a strict nutrition thing. He's just fucking, to Africa. Yeah, no, he's not doing. He's not doing. He's not hanging out in the club with the baby and then driving his Lamborghini home. Uh, he's fucking. He's out there doing it. Like so, Crawford. Fuck, fuck anyone bitching at Crawford making noise, whether you think he's right or not. But the Hamanites, the Hamanites are nearly as bad as Matchroom, man. There's accounts dedicated to 
um, slagging off Crawford for not signing with Heyman when he had the chance and like basically laughing at him for getting frozen out. But like that has nothing to do with the fights. Like, do you know what I mean? All that that's all mumbo jumbo shit. Like the fight, the fights are what counts. Like, so he's if he's looking for the fights, he has to be commended, doesn't he? I like the sound of this Heymanites thing, Rob. I could join up with that. Is that a thing? There's a guy who's a cult man. He's maybe, yeah, but he's obviously looking at him ironically. Like, maybe that's where I got that term from. But they're just, just the the, 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 the pro Heyman guys are nearly as, in the States are nearly as bad as the pro matchroom guys. Honestly, like. I'm aspiring to get to that level. Any uh, more nominations for you, Andy, before we finish up? That's it, mate. I just want to finish off by saying that I I, I long for the day that Adrian Brunner is so broke-ass fucking broke that he's living in the streets with all his belongings in a shopping cart and I can walk up to him and hand him $10 and say, then he spend it all at once on fucking a bottle of tonic or something like that or a bottle of wine. Because that's where he's heading, man. He's heading for the fucking gutter and plus he's got, what, nine kids to support? It's not their fault, it's obvious as well that your dad's a fucking dickhead, but... Look at the videos of him on Twitter, man, in the club with his wife and stuff like that. His wife is black affronted, can't be arsed with him, and she's clearly just with him because it's maybe a safe option, but it's going to come home to roost for him at some point as well. And we baby G raw, he's going to get it tight and all. I'm saying three years before he's fucking washed out, fucked out, looking for a handout as well. Is it nice the wife sitting at home and he takes the little one off Dr. Phil, for fuck's sake? Fucking hell, man. It's fucking ridiculous. She was interested until she saw the video of him getting a budget airline, Rob. <laughs> oh, man, that's just a car crash. Like, it? That's what, you can't be at that AB. Like, fucking hell, man. Living life all day, B. Right, I'm going to go this week for the guru simply because that segment about him taking a dig off Wilder made me laugh the most during this segment. There was a re- it was a really strong, there was a lot of good nominations. I liked Michael Buffer's one as well with Sharon Stone, but that whole business about Wilder and um, the Guru made, made me laugh, so I'm going for the Guru this week. Who are you going for, Osley? Uh, come back to me, I'm mulling it over, I'm not too sure yet. Ozzy's still making a decision, Gabe. What about you? Maybe Jimmy Lennon Jr.? Uh, for an incorrect call-out, possibly um, pro-boxing fans for asking for Dave Allen versus Lenroy Thomas 3. Or, could be Tony Bellew looking Brooke against Liam Smith. Who are you going for, Gabe? Is Gabe even still here? I think I might have lost him, you know. Oh, he's Gabriel. gone. Oh, that's really upsetting me. Oh, well. Andy, what about you? Who are you going for? Okay, so we've got James Kinney, who was nominated for his scorecard. Yeah, we've got nah. uh, Clarissa Shields, who got quite a few nominations. Lance Pugmire, Joe Selkirk, Prince Patel himself, uh, Gareth A. Mm-hmm. Davis, Nick Pete, Mark Jules, who came up with that six-fight uh, list, Vegas Matty, who tried to take a photo of Floyd Mayweather, Michael Buffer for the Sharon Stone thing, uh, Adam Smith for generally being an Egypt. <coughs> excuse me. <coughs> the Guru, Tommy Allen, Matthew J. Hunter, uh, pro boxing fans, Jimmy Lennon Jr. for saying the third man in the ring, Adam, Daniel I'll go Westbrook. for Adam Smith, mate. I'll go for Adam, Adam Smith for KSI, Logan Paul comments. Absolutely. Pure company man, 101. There. 101 well company man. Well said. Uh, rapping Rob Kelly, who are you going for? Oh, it's got to be AB. 
fuck, I can't take, you can't take the little <laughs> one off Dr. Phil. Like, you know, it takes me crazy girl. Then he says, I thought she was grown. Where did you think you knew her from? She was the fucking little one on Dr. Phil, you fucking idiot. Oh, maybe, yeah, has to be him. One for AB, one for the guru. Oh, it's getting tight now, isn't it? You went for uh, Adam Smith, didn't you, Andy? So there's one apiece. Yeah. Ozzy, you could have the deciding vote here, or you could throw in a fourth one. Who are you going for? There'll be a VA title this week, boys. Especially if Ozzy picks us up. I'm going to go for Adrian Broner. Oh, Broner wins. Good old Broner. He isn't fighting lately, but he's winning awards. Spell you of the week for episode 355. Congratulations, Adrian Boner. Boner? Boner? <laughs> Freudian slip there. Adrian Boner, indeed. Good man. Right, boys. Yeah. <laughs> I, can't believe we, I can't believe we didn't nominate Clarissa Shields, actually. That oh, she was, she, was up, she was up there. Yeah, yeah she but was up there. As, we say, as, we say, though, as we say, there's been no interest in women's boxing, though, you know. Yeah, that's yeah. true, yeah. Equality. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out to the fella who did that like, painting as well of Tyan Boot, that Tyan Boot painting of him getting kicked out of his house with all the paintings in the background. Yeah. That was bastards. brilliant. Absolutely yeah, brilliant. What was that picture of Tyan Boot from Gateway? Auntie Joshua? Yeah, the, yeah. the fellow that did the painting of a Boot looking up at Joshua Aye. kicking it about his ear and all the paintings in the background. The guy, absolutely the guy's brilliant. Bullish. Guy's Polish. He was fucking. I spoke to him last night about it. Hey, it was fucking brilliant. Oh man, that was world class. That like the fucking expression on his face and everything, and the posters in the background, uh, like a fucking Umar. Uh, you've got, oh, absolutely you've, brilliant. You've, you've, got, you've got Coogan saying "Be safe," and you've got safe. Umar IFL Umar with his watch, and it's blinging in the background, and everybody's fucking saying, "Look at my watch." Oh, and that, man, fucking brilliant. That guy's a genius. Whoever did that, it was. It was excellent. Right, boys, let's jack it in for another week then. Thanks to Rapping Rob Kelly for joining us, Andy Patterson, of course, Ozzy Smith, and Gabe, wherever he's gone. Hopefully he's okay. Be safe indeed. Let's try and get some of the boys back on. We are just talking about Donny there, Dave, the hater low back. Try and get them rallied up, get the pulse beating for next week, episode 356. We'll catch you all again, same time, same place next week. I've been Steve Wellings. Bye. Bye. Sports Social Podcast Network.